What's up, everyone? Welcome to Game Face episode 197, the flagship show for Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield. I'm Matt Kyle. And you can find both of us on Twitter. I am at Dinfire, and Matt is at MKyle. If you're just listening to the audio version of this show on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, um, Weird times in Los Angeles right now, Matt, with yeah. the death of Kobe Bryant. I don't yeah. want to talk about it too much because obviously we're not a sports podcast, but um, there is definitely a, a difference in the city over the last couple oh, days. Yeah. You don't see people walking around smiling and laughing. Everyone's kind of somber. A lot of jerseys. I saw yesterday, I saw people wearing like all black Kobe jerseys. Not like the old, like the black one with the yellow numbers, like because you know, I've seen it. But, the, the numbers were like a, a shiny black, and, the, and Kobe's name was like a shiny black, and the rest of the... I'm like, did you make that in a day? Yeah. Like, did you print that shit in well, a day? Well, you'd be surprised. Like, they make jerseys of all, like, color combos mm. now, and I'm not surprised. But people... I saw a couple people out in, like, their morning jerseys. Yeah. Um, and, of course, last night, all of downtown was lit up uh, purple and gold uh, with number 24 everywhere. Um like, the city's in a bit of an emotional tailspin right now. Yeah, it's really crazy. That's, maybe that's not the right... I mean, I'll be honest with you. I am not... I'm not even a big basketball fan. I hardly watch any... I don't care about basketball at all. I don't really either. And but, of course, I know who Kobe Bryant was. Well, yeah, everyone does. He's and younger I'm, than me. That's fucking yeah. disturbing. And I'm definitely not a Lakers fan. Um, I'm a Clippers fan more than a Lakers fan because we have a friend who is, like, the head of marketing at the Clippers. So, I just, by default, I kind of root for them. But with Kobe's passing, um, I think it kind of transcends sports... Yeah, well, also because he was—he did other, th- you know, he's an Oscar winner. He, yeah, he, he did that short deer basketball. He just launched like a big digital um, net video. Lost that. He was very active in charity stuff. Um, yeah. you know, he had he had his, uh, shall we say, image problems. Yeah, here yeah. and there, but uh, I think most people that have dealt with him seem to have a positive uh, yeah. response to him, and and found that he was a positive influence on most of the places he was involved in, and yeah. uh, you know, double doubly sad, like his daughter who was really coming up as you know as an athlete and as a, a positive kind of you know role model for younger girls like uh, i really you know and he, you could tell he was like you know you see him at, at games with her and stuff and like you know he they he loved that kid like yeah. he was you know they, she was his his legacy you know you could see he was like he, you know he, he said it was a clip i saw where he said he's like people were asking me like well what about your leg you need to have a son so you have and he's like no this, this is she's, she's got she's, it she's got it just fine yeah and uh and i really like that yeah i him. found posthumously that i relate to kobe on a couple of different levels at least as far as what happened um you know i look at the daughters that have been left behind mm-hmm. and they're kind of in the same spot i'm in where they lost their father and their big sister mm-hmm. Just like that. So I can relate to what the family is going through on that level. But as far as Kobe is concerned, I relate to him just kind of on a – they call it the Mamba mentality. That's kind of a thing that people have coined over the last like couple days. And he had talked about it while he was still alive. But I have that mentality, like that don't give up no matter what. Um, like the way that he kind of patterned and how hard he worked and how he was just like, I won't give up. You know, people who tell who are telling you to quit, get them out of your life. Like I look at life – and what I'm doing even here with Sifted, in a lot of the same ways that Kobe looked at life and what he was doing for his vocation. So um, you're right. He wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But that what happened with him happened 17 years ago. Mm-hmm. And since then, he's the stuff that he's done is, like, mind-blowing. So mm-hmm. I'm from Philadelphia. He grew up in Philadelphia. He went to a high school called Lower Marion. He has been a legend in Philadelphia for since he was, like, in middle school. And I've known about him because I lived there whenever he was coming up. I mean – 
he was a middle school player who would be on the Philadelphia news mm-hmm. at night. So I've known about Kobe for forever. That would have been when you were like in high school? Yeah, no, I, yeah basically. Yeah. And then, well, I was a little, yeah, a little older than that. Mm-hmm. And so I move out here. He kind of follows me out here, <laughs> which is a little weird. Um, so I, I kind of draw those parallels. But uh, again, I think on a just on a personal level, I kind of know what that family's going through right now. And I just want to send strength. I mean, there's nothing you can say. It's like when mm-hmm. it happened to me, people would not talk to me because they're like, I don't know what to say to you. Like, how do I even start the conversation? And I know that that kind of stuff is going to happen with those kids mm-hmm. and Kobe's wife. People are going to be like, I want to reach out. I want to be there for you, but I don't know how. It's So I get it. So anyway, we're in L.A., and this is something that we really can't avoid. It's just kind of a part of our culture here. And even mm-hmm. though neither of us are Lakers fans or big basketball fans, we're feeling like what, what happened. So uh, rest in peace, Kobe and Gianna, I believe was his daughter's yeah. name. Um, and, every, and the other – Seven and the other that seven, flight. that's the other thing that's kind of sucked is that, you know, a the whole other family got wiped out. There yeah. The other seven people have kind of been forgotten in this. Mm-hmm. I get it. You know, they're not celebrities. People yeah. didn't know who they were, but I'm glad that you mentioned them because they, they're also going through a really tough time. So anyway, just a little slice of LA living for folks uh, all around the globe who are watching this. It is definitely a dark time here in the city, mm-hmm. even though the, the weather has finally actually become LA. Yeah, it looks again. more like LA out there. Finally. Yeah. So anyway. Just wanted to talk about that before we got started. Uh, one last thing before we get into the show. Uh, the Sifted Fantasy Challenge for 2020. Today is the deadline. End of day today. You can no longer enter. So if you want to become a part of our Sifted Fantasy Challenge, you have to do it before the end of day today. Um, there's links all over the site. It's still pinned at the top of your SIS. If you go to sifted.net, you'll see a link there right at the top of the page so you can go and join again You don't have to be a patron or a subscriber to be a part of it. Uh, If you win, you don't get as good a prize, but you still get a prize. So everybody jump in. Uh, When the show ended last week, we already had as many entries as we had all of last year. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be a much bigger game this year. Thanks to everybody who's already done it. I hope you had fun doing it. And then tomorrow morning, that's when the switch flips on the site for the challenge, and you'll be able to go in and see everybody's picks. Obviously, right now you can't do that because we don't want you cheating off of other people. So anyway... End of day today, get your picks in now, or you're not going to be a part of it for the rest of the year. And with that, let's kick off episode 197 of Game Face here on Sifted. We're going to kick things off with a survey. And Matt, you're not aware of this yet, but we're going to mm. play a little game with you. Um, okay. You can't look at my rundown, because that would allow you to cheat. You, you really were out of things today. Yes. Right? <laughs> if you guys haven't whenever noticed. Whenever Shane starts asking me blind questions, you know that there was not much happening this week. <laughs> this is going to be fun, though. Um, we actually do have some pretty good topics. I think the show's going to be good. It'll probably be shorter than usual, but I think mm-hmm. it's going to be good. Um, so there was a survey that Games Industry uh, sent out in Europe. They polled 8,000 gamers, and this is important, aged 11 to 64. Hmm. And they basically asked all the people who participated what was most important to them in the next-gen consoles. Um, And there's a list of about, I think there's 10, I believe. And what we're going to do, Matt, is we're going to put all 10 options up on screen. And then you're going to try to guess the order of Mm -hmm. how they were picked. And again, 8,000 Europeans aged 11 to 64. So you just want to go one by one. You want to pick, like, what you think the most Mm -hmm. popular response was and then just go down to the least popular. So, Matt, what do you think was the first 
response, the one that was most popular of what gamers want in their consoles, in their PS5, in their Xbox Series X. I mean, my guess would be better graphics. Okay. So you have better graphics at number one. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I can basically rank them as I would probably pick them. I would probably better graphics, uh, physical games. Okay. Shorter load times. Okay. Non-gaming apps. All right. You're going faster than I thought you would. Backwards compatibility. Okay. 8K resolution. Motion controls. Stream games. Handheld mode. And VR. Okay. I'm going to VR dead last. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, VR. I love you, but... <laughs> okay. Um, let's bring up what the actual results were. So you got the first mm-hmm. one right. Mm-hmm. You said best graphics first. Um, I'm a little surprised that you guessed that first, though. Why? Because I think we've talked on the show before about how graphics, that we have the law of diminishing returns, yeah. and it didn't seem oh, like... Oh, yeah. But I picked, and the Switch has done really well. I picked it because better games isn't on the list. <laughs> Frankly. I mean, honestly, like that, that's, to be honest, like that's the only thing on that list I, get, I care about. Okay. So like, that's it. Okay. Um, shorter load times I also like, obviously, but they're not like a thing. I'm like, I want to pay $500 for a new console so I have, don't have to wait like 12 more seconds for Spider-Man. That's not a thing that I want to spend. That's not what I'm spending money on. You did really well with shorter load times. So that was your number three pick. Mm-hmm. So you were close. What was number two? What did I say for number two? Physical Your games? number two is physical games. Yeah, I, 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 Europe is probably doesn't care about that as much as we do here. Yep. So your number one pick was best graphics. Number two is physical games. Number three was shorter load times. Mm-hmm. Your number four pick was motion no- controls. Woo. Your number four pick was non-gaming apps. I thought people cared about Netflix. I see people whine about how that's not on uh, uh, the Switch all the time. Yeah, it is kind of crazy that it's not mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point. It's like, come on. I mean, I don't care about them that much. Like, but I do use. Uh, I use my YouTube app on my consoles all I the use time. YouTube sometimes I use Netflix on on my PS4. Me too. Pretty often. Yep. YouTube on my or uh, Netflix on my um, Xbox is like broken. Like, it, it switches resolution constantly and has huge audio errors, and, like, it's been, like, it's been like that for months and months. Huh. Well, the YouTube app on PS4 crashes all the time for no yeah, reason. Yeah, I mean, so. usually I, I use the, the apps on my TV, yeah. if I'm honest. Like, yeah, they, but, they uh, usually they tend to work a lot better. But if I have to use non-gaming apps, I generally default to PS4. Okay. So you had non-gaming apps at 4. It ended up at 7? Yeah. Mm. Yep, at 7. Um, let's see, for number 5... You had backwards compatibility, mm. and that was came in at number four. Pretty close, yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, that's higher than I feel like it would have been if you'd done this survey before last gener- this generation started. Yeah. Are you surprised at motion controls there? I mean, I'm not, I don't know if I'm surprised. I am disappointed. I mean, my guess <laughs> in is... In all 8,000 of you. I mean, my guess is that's the, the Nintendo representation yeah. in the poll. Yeah. And then a couple stragglers who maybe wanted it, who liked PlayStation Move yeah. or something like that. Because the funny thing is, the only place I really find motion controls acceptable is VR. Yeah. <laughs> which, and well, you can see... This, this survey clearly does not bear out the connection between... No. <laughs> and you can see where VR is way, way yeah. down. Um, yeah, so... Let's see, number six, you had 8K resolution, mm-hmm. and that's at number eight. Yeah, no one cares in about In the actual 8K. results. Um, number seven, you had motion controls, which I think a lot of people probably would have guessed it would be lower than it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, I, I totally understand where you would get that. Number eight, streaming games. 
A little higher than you thought it was. A little bit. Not term- I, it's a little interesting that it's above non-gaming apps. Um, but I also, I've been reading all the doom and gloom about Stadia this morning, so like, I guess I'm kind of, I was primed to lower. The, the I actually missed that. I was doing like, pre-production. It what? wasn't like, it wasn't like, like official anything, but it was just, I think it was Reset Era and a couple Twitter people were just like, you know, this thing's been out for 69 days. We haven't, we haven't had a new announcement about an exclusive or a new anything for 40 days. And someone asked about stuff on the Reddit about like, when do I get to, you know, play this without a controller? When can I just, like, subscribe and play whenever? And, like, their, you know, the official representative's, like, response was basically, we don't know. It'll be this year sometime. Bye. And everyone's like, how do you not know that? Yeah. How do you, how do you, how does a company the size of Google start this and not know? And I'm just like, because it's Google. Because they just jump into these industries they don't know anything about. And then they flounder for a while and they go away. They think money can solve everything. Yep. And it doesn't always work that way. Um, are you surprised where the stream games is there? Or do you think maybe some people have, like, fiddled with PlayStation now and they're like, ah, oh, it's not so bad? Yeah, I think, I think it makes sense in, this, in that. And you know, who, who knows? Maybe they're including uh, Game Pass in that to yeah. some degree. You know, it's just like the idea of a Netflix-style service, sort of, you know, which, is, which I think Game Pass is more than anything else, really, more than the other services. I know you don't stream the game, but you do just pay a fee and then get access to everything however you want. So that's, that's the Netflix model to me. Uh, and your number nine was handheld mode. You nailed it. Mm-hmm. It was at number nine on the user's poll as well. Does that surprise you at all that it's so low considering no. how popular the Switch has been? No, because I don't think people want that out of the other systems. Like, yeah. The Switch works because it was designed for that. Designed for that. It's, it's you know, Nintendo stuff doesn't really suffer from having, like, a, a huge lack of power under it. Um, but I don't think people want to compromise like Spider-Man 2 or Halo Infinite just because so they can take it on the go. Like that's just I don't, I don't find that to be a very compelling idea. Um, and then last VR. I mean, this seems like it was it seemed obvious. And you nailed that one as me. well. You got the you did really well at the top and the bottom. Top and the bottom. The middle is the middle is is a little muddled. And I think that's understandable. I mean, that's just life. Yeah. I mean, that's just <laughs> how it works. <laughs> I think you did pretty well though, man. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, you're a a hardcore gamer, so it would make sense. Yeah, probably my opinions probably reflect. It should align who these, what these people are also saying. But. What's the biggest surprise there? Motion controls, probably. I mean, I guess I'm not super surprised by that. I just I'm so I've been over motion control since about like two years into the Wii, and uh, just give me a button. Like all I want is a button. Yeah. Like I don't care. I don't wiggle. I mean, I don't, the gyro aiming thing. Like I don't. I don't give a shit. I mean. I'm sure if I was more competitive and I kind of like really adjusted to how that worked and it was, you know, I, I got played with it on Splatoon and that kind of thing. I get it. I just don't want to do it. Like yeah. I don't. I like it in some stuff. Like it, not I, everything. Though. Yeah. I just it's just like the Metroid, you know, the theoretical Metroid Prime trilogy collection. Like I get it. Corruption is supposed to be played with motion controls, but I will love you forever if you just let me press a fucking button. <laughs> if you can use the auto lock. Like, leave the, the motion ones. controls for people who want to use. Like, to app, you know, I don't lose anything by just having the option. We also remember, it. though, Metroid Prime is an auto lock game. Yeah. Like, you don't manually aim in that game anyway. So mm-hmm. it was a departure for sure. I mean, the crazy part is they kind of, instead of giving you the controls, they went one further and gave yeah. you, like, motion controls. So, uh, yeah, I can understand your uh, your trepidation with that. What about 8K resolution? Does it surprise you that it's that low? I mean, it kind of pleasantly surprises me that it's that yeah. low because I thought it'd be higher just because it's such a buzz thing that the TV manufacturers are. 8K resolution is completely pointless. At this I, point. It is completely if, pointless. If you don't have like a like a hundred inch screen and you're sitting like ten feet away, 8K doesn't matter. I mean, it 8K 8K is basically the same resolution as 35 millimeter film. Yep. It's about as high as analog, a standard analog film goes, you know, unless you're going to go into 70 millimeter, which is not as common. Um, which mean, and, and how do you view 35 millimeter film traditionally? 
on a screen the size of a building. Right, yeah. Like sitting yeah. 40 And no one back. ever watches a like movie that, and is like, that looks grainy. Yeah, you don't need that. Like, <laughs> you we don't, don't need that. We do, you don't need to buy another TV for 4K movies. You, you know, eventually games will be in 8K resolution. Like, yeah, yeah and, that, and, and they will take advantage of it. But it is not this day. And my, it is not this year. My guess is year. a lot of gamers in particular were early adopters of 4K. I think probably. And right. they're like, I don't really see that much of a difference yeah. well, with also, 4K. Like, well, I, see, I see a difference, but like, I yeah. also only see it coming into its own now right. yeah. all these years 8K later. Is, 8K is another gen yeah. ahead. I'll worry that. about getting a top-of-the-line 4K TV right. before I ever worry about getting a, t- a Right, like I'm, TV. like I'm looking into like the new, uh, you know, the new OLEDs, the new uh, Q, QLED, which is like, I have my issues with some of that tech. It's not as clean as yeah, the LED. Yeah. But like, I'm looking into large, you know, I have a 65 inch, which is fine, but I have it mounted on my wall in the living room and it looks a little small because it doesn't fill the whole space between my windows. Yep. Um, you know, and even some of my friends have like, you know, because I have the same, very similar, if not the same kind of plasma you do that I had before the 4K TV, and I kept that because it's a beautiful TV. Yeah. And I have that in my office uh, where I just have that. And, it's, you know, it's gigantic. It it's is, like the whole, yeah. It's, it's a big wall. TV, yeah. But it's the same size as the TV that's on the wall in the living room, and people always say, are these the same size? Because the, the one in the living room looks smaller because it's it is. farther away. So I'm yeah. looking at, like, a bigger screen for that. But I'm not looking at 8K because yeah. why? Who, why? What, yeah. Who's going to do that? What content are you even yeah, going to use? What am I going to look at on it? <laughs> There's no reason. The screensaver? Like, the... like, just now, DirecTV is starting to get 4K content on its service. Just now. And, like you, it's and just now, starting out, yeah. And it's just like when HD launched, they try to charge you like an extra $15 a month to no. watch like three sporting events in 4K. No, so, no, no thanks. The 8K you. thing is, is, a, is, a, is a buzzword bullet point that won't be relevant for another six years, if yep. that. Anything and else? even then, most of our eyes aren't good enough to like see it at the distance and size we watch these things at. Honestly, most people's TVs, uh, where, they, where they are and where you sit from them, 1080p is enough. It is. It like, absolutely is. It's just a ploy to get you to spend more money on a new TV. Yeah. You don't I mean, I still look at my 1080p TV. I think it looks gorgeous. Yeah, that plasma looks great. Yep. So I'm so. I'm, I, I'm guessing I'll probably upgrade when, like, the OLEDs are down to, like, 1500 yeah. bucks. And, like, again, as someone who has owned one of those for two, you know, for two years now, it's not the resolution so much as that HDR. Yeah. The HDR That's is what, what makes does a it. big difference. Like, the yep. HDR is so much more important than the resolution. Like, you, I can turn Horizon Zero Dawn down to 1080p, but as long as that HDR is on, it looks like a different game. It does. So, yep. Anything else that surprised you about this? Um, not really. I mean, it went away, <laughs> so I can't look at it. But, um, no, I mean, there's a couple things that are... I mean, it's sad that VR is dead last. Yeah. But uh, What does that say about it, do you think? I mean, I just don't think it's there, you know? I mean, I, I don't but think But people that... aren't even interested. Right. Like, they aren't even they, don't even... they don't even care if the new console that they're about to buy in 2020 right. supports it. Well, because also, you can always support it. It can always come if there's a reason for it, you know? But right now, you're still... You know, maybe Half-Life Alex will, Half-Life Alex will change some minds, but, like... I think it doesn't right, look like it has so far. I think right now everyone's sort of sitting there thinking like, yeah, um, you know, maybe like if something cool or something I really feel I have to play shows up. But at the same time, it's like also it's just more cost. It's like, you know, you're about to spend God knows how much on these new systems. Like, I don't need to think about what a headset's going to cost for that thing yet. Yeah. Like, you better give me something like I can't live without if you want me to do that. So I understand why VR is just not a priority because 
you got to get the system first. Did you see that Sony released a bunch of data this week? They they said that they've sold now five million PlayStation VRs. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. But the funny part is, it ends up being like four point one percent penetration of the installed right. base of PS4. And I think that's realistic. I think that's probably what you're looking at. Yeah. Until I think until you've untethered it from the PC or the console, until it's something you can just grab, put on, and, and go. go. Yeah. That's pretty much where you're going to sit. You're going to sit in the enthusiast realm. Yep. But otherwise, not too much shocking stuff, I think. I think most uh, of these responses would fall in line with what most people would would respond with, at least most of our audience anyway, the hardcores. But, yeah, I thought it was interesting, though. I'm glad that uh, Games Industry did that. So thank you very much, guys, for uh, doing the poll so we could talk about it here on Game Face. I'm surprised more publications don't commission stuff like this. Yeah. It does make more sense for Games Industry, of course, but... But yeah, I'd like to see more data like this. So thanks, Games Industry. Um, and let's move on. We're going to talk next about the game that mentioned that game that Matt mentioned at the beginning of Game Face last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, he called it, I think you called it like one of the early indie gems yeah, of I think 2020. It's the, I think it's the first like indie darling of the year. It's you know you know how like you've never heard of this thing, or maybe you've heard seen it in like one Microsoft E3 briefing like montage or something. And at some point, like, it comes out or it comes out in early access and you start getting people that are just like, like you see, like, Patrick Klepek or, like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Rob Manuel or the, the people in, who are really indie, indie people. People stuff, yeah. Like, start saying, it's like, dude, don't sleep on this thing kind of thing. And you're like, I mean, all right, fine, you know, whatever. And, I, and then you look at, I guess one of those things, sometimes I look at stuff like that and I'm like, nope, not playing that. Like, sometimes the, sometimes the art style of these things just makes me go, nope, I don't want to do, I don't want to look at that. I don't want to look at that anymore. But this is, uh, it's called the Red Strings Club. And it is a... Uh, cyberpunk, um, you know, future noir kind of thing. Um, very text-driven with, like, weird uh, minigame-driven stuff. Yeah, I could – I'll say this. I was grabbing footage from this. Um, mm-hmm. I had to reach out to, like, the developer yeah. <laughs> to get footage because there's not a lot of coverage of this game out there, like, hardly at all. There isn't, but, like, I in saw fact, – In fact, we do not even have a game page for this game on Sifted. Like, it went oh, way under a, the radar. That's the second time I did that. Yeah. Rebel Galaxy, I think. That was, was another one. Time. Yeah, we had to create a game page for it. Um, that, that happens with these things that are just like, you know, and I, I think it was I think it was Klepek and I want to say it was uh, Remy Ismail. Was that, it's, I, I can't remember exactly who the other. It was two people on Twitter that were talking about, oh, my God, don't miss this thing. It's amazing. And I looked at it, and it was like, this is relevant to my interests. Like, you know, cyberpunk point-and-click weird minigame like, you know, thing like that with a weird mystery to it. It is a like, weird it. game. What is happening right there, Matt? So what's happening right <laughs> what here? So this is a flashback. This is so bizarre. So this is, a, this is like an android, sort of a, like, a, like, a, like a replicant style person comes and stumbles into the Red Strings Club, which is a bar that also serves as an information hub. And um, the, 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 the guy who runs it and his, uh, and his boyfriend... Um, are they are in there just talking and she stumbles in and is all shorting out and the boyfriend plays playing the piano in that previous footage um, can has cyberware so you can jack into her and find out what happened uh-huh. so Jackson this is so that's the flashback this is the very beginning of the game but the flashback there is her she her, her she is um, her de- her design is she's an empath- empathetic driven Android the most advanced of her kind I think it's her it might be a they I don't remember um, I've only played like an hour of this. Okay. Um, but like, basically, they go back and find out like um, what happened and what the Android is, is designed for is these people come in with these complaints. You read their little complaint about I'm 
I can't figure out why I don't have more social media followers or like I have a big meeting coming up and I, I need to be able to sell my idea to these people at this meeting. And then you can install cyberware that makes them more charismatic online or cyberware that makes them um, more convincing when they talk to a group and thing. Like, and, and that's what you saw with like kind of the, the sculpting the thing is you have to you pick the recipe of the cyberware and you have to sculpt it with like you spin you spin it's like a potter's wheel you spin it and then you sculpt it with tools that like kind of go up along the side and like if you go too far and you have to like undo it it's and stuff. so weird very weird um so that's how you learn kind of what that android was doing and what's going on and and uh what the, is the objective of the game the objective is essentially to unravel what the company that made this android is trying to do okay because what because what that flashback reveals is um they have an initiative coming up where they're going to to um i can't remember the exact name of it but they're basically going to send out a program through the cyberverse that all the people with cyberware are jacked into that makes them all happy okay it removes their ability to feel sadness it basically cures depression but it also removes negative emotions it's like and an mdma chip sort of and there's <laughs> and there's some tech to it like our our harmonizing tech to it that will also affect non-cybernetic people so basically they are removing sadness and depression and anger from the world without asking us oh. and the question of the game, and you you play your the character you play mainly as is that bartender, um, and so you're the kind of the question is, is that a good thing, or is it a violation of our human rights to take away the negative things that make us who we are? Don't make me happy, Sur- damn it! Surprise! <laughs> the indie game is about depression, um, but it's very well done. Um, That's about forty percent of yeah. all indie games. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's very well done, and, and the world is very interesting if you like the cyberpunk kind of thing, um, especially because we aren't getting cyberpunk until September now. Yeah. Um, so it'll hold you over. Yeah. And, uh, and one of the key gameplay elements is because you are a bartender, uh, the Red Strings Club is a reference to the Red Strings of Fate. Which, um, Isn't that the name of the bar too? Is the red name of the bar, but it's also the, like Red Strings is, is, a, is a literary reference to the Red Strings of Fate. Um, and so the idea is you're trying to kind of unravel this mystery, but you're also tracing it through these red strings that all are determined by what you decide to tell people because you're a bartender and an information broker. So the, one of the key gameplay elements is somebody comes into the bar and you talk to them and you need to get information out of them or make a, an, a relationship with them or, or figure that out. And the way you do that is you make them a drink. And he has this thing that you, I mean, technically what you play is this, program that detects people's emotions and insecurities and tells you what kind of drink will play upon those emotions and insecurities. So let's say someone comes in and you want to know what they know about this project that's going to that they're that they're working on, that she's working on and you you want to figure out like what does she know about this project? How can what can she tell you about it that helps you? And like there's also like a question of whether the CEO of the big cor- super corporation is missing. And so she's got a bunch of different, couple different things there, and you can detect. Okay, one of the things here is fear. She and so if you make a drink, and the drinks, if you see there, so the drinks there, you notice there's an arrow on each bottle. Yeah. So you see that red circle. That's yeah. your drink target. So if you pour this, those drinks, like the one with the right arrow moves that circle to the right. If you pour, ah, you put a circle with one with the, gotcha. the down arrow moves it down. So you move it over the circle you want, say fear, and then the size of the circle is determined by the ice cubes you put in. <laughs> ice cubes shrink the circle. And when you match the circle, you can then serve the drink. And you serve the drink to them, like say for fear, and 
it plays on her fear and makes her more nervous. And you can then use your dialogue choices to ask her about the things she's afraid of. And she's more likely to tell you more valuable information. What a so, weird game. So that is how, <laughs> oh my gosh. so that is how you kind of build your kind of journal and sort of piece together what's going on. All and depending on how well you do, uh, you can do better or worse or have more information or less information to work with. And one of the ways they drive this home is the Android that comes in damaged you fix it up and make her your basically your greeter. Like, and basically the job of the Android is to stand there and listen to your conversations. And after the conversation's over and the customer leaves, uh, she will ask you um, a series of 10 questions about that conversation. And if you get enough of them right, you get an upgrade for your character. Oh, okay. And if you don't get enough of them right, you don't. And after the first couple tries, you don't get to redo it. Oh wow! So you have to pay real close attention to what you, what the character you're talking to thinks about you, what you found out about what they know, and all that. Huh. So it's a game that demands. It means very it's different. Text, it's very different. <laughs> Thank so, God, <laughs> we need more games like this. I don't have you know. I mean, obviously, there's comparisons to like point and click adventures and yeah, dialogue driven yeah. like you know visual novel stuff. But I've never played anything quite like this. I've never so, seen anything quite like this game. Um, was it's, it fun? Is the writing good? Did it keep you I engaged? I think the, the writing is good, and I was I am interested. I mean, I haven't played it much because I've been very busy on things. And like the other thing about this game is like I think as I've described it, you might be able to tell you got to focus. Yeah, like it, it, this is not like I'm going to play this while I do something else. Game, right. like you, you have to focus on the dialogue and what's going on and what's happening and what every what the subtext of all this means. It's almost a it's almost a social simulation game. Yeah. Um, how so, much yeah. is it, Matt? Uh, it was 15. 15. You have any idea how long it is ultimately? No idea. Okay. Um, it, it's, not, it's not moving fast, I'll tell you that. Um, it's, it's, it takes its time. It's a slow burn. So I'm saying. like an hour and a half in, and I've barely talked to like two people and sort of like just sort of started to unfold the mystery. And as a matter of fact, watching this B-roll, I haven't seen a lot of this. Oh, so, I'm sorry. I spoiled this. No, nah, I, I don't. There's no spoil. <laughs> like, I haven't seen her yet. So I'm very early on. Her I've seen. Yeah. Um, haven't seen him. Based upon what you've played so far, would you recommend? I don't know who they are. I would. Like, if you look at this and my description sounds interesting and you like the art style and kind of what you're seeing in the world here, like, I can't I can't see a situation in which you wouldn't like it. Do you know uh, what platforms it's coming or it's available for? It's on PC and Switch. Uh, I think it might be coming to other stuff, but I think those are the only two right now. I got it on PC. And for $15, you're saying? I, was, I believe it was 15 Maybe it was less because it was like opening week. It might have been like 12 95 or 12 bucks. You know how they slightly discount stuff yep. when they first come out yeah. sometimes? I think it might have been that. But I think I think it's 15 Okay. Standard. So there it, you go. It would, I mean, it would be a pretty good Switch game if you want to get it on a Switch. I mean, I don't know how much attention you'd be able to pay on the train. but Well, point and click. Yeah. It, it works with a touchscreen really yeah. well. So you're right. That platform seems like it would be so, ideal. I've been playing it on Steam, but like... I, I don't see any reason it wouldn't be fine on Switch. Okay. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about video game television and films, uh, right in Matt's wheelhouse, I would add. Mm -hmm. um, the reason we're talking about this is because, in my opinion, things are just starting to get a bit ridiculous. So Ubisoft announced, I think last year, like early last year, almost mm -hmm. a year ago, that it had, I think, five properties that it was looking at to make television or film projects out of. This week, Ubisoft announced that one of the first projects is going to be for Werewolves Within. Hmm. Now, for those of you who don't remember, Werewolves Within is a VR game 
where you basically sit in a circle and you try to fool the yeah. people next to you. I mean, it's it's it's. I mean, it's based on a card game, but like, it's what it is. Is I mean, we used to play. It was called Mafia. Yeah. And you had to. It was. Just, it's like a. It's a, just a lot. It's a social game. It's just a lying game. That's all know? it is. Yeah. Like you're just you, trying to fool. You don't need a video game to play this. Yeah. You're, basically, the whole game is like you're trying to guess who in the circle is the werewolf. Yeah. That's all it is. And then you. And then if you're the werewolf, you're given tools that you can use to try to fool the other people mm-hmm. in the game. How in the hell? Do you turn this into a television show or a film? I think you just make it into a werewolf movie. That's I mean, that. is that where we're at? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's I think that's what that is. It's just like I think they would make it into it's like oh, there's a werewolf in town. No one knows who the werewolf is, and it becomes like a whodunit sort of thing. And that's all you that's have to it. do anymore to turn a video game into a film or TV show. I mean, that sounds better than most video game movies I've seen. But like, I it, it's. It's hard to even call it a video game movie because it's based on like something that goes beyond that. I guess that's the point I'm getting at. Is it, it, is there value in calling the movie Werewolves Within versus just calling it Werewolf Who Done It or whatever the hell else you would call? I mean, it. I guess you call it that because Ubisoft wants to fund it, and that's what their brand is. I mean, I mean, the card game is just called Werewolf. I think. Yeah. Um. It's. Yeah, it's a weird way to go with it, but if that's if they want to do that instead of like bombing out another hundred fifty million dollar Assassin's Creed movie, I can't blame them. Like, but don't you think it's strange? I mean, if you look at Ubisoft's catalog, like, I would even say like Rabbids are a better choice. Somewhat, I mean, Rabbids is an interesting choice because you could probably make a pretty good movie out of that, but I think you would be clashing with Minions. Um, I mean, they are Minions. That's all. Ve- I mean, <laughs> it is. Yeah, um, it's a very hard. That is a very hard uh, world to break into. That the the kids targeted CG thing. Like you only you know you see and it, and like the funny thing is like quality doesn't really matter in that space. Like sometimes like a really good thing breaks out, but like then you have things like Kubo and the Two Strings, where like or like most of Leica's studios output, which is really high quality stuff, but doesn't catch. Like Box Trolls did nothing, but those stupid Trolls movies. Which another one is coming? I had to sit through a preview for that. Um, <laughs> that blew people up. show up. It blew it's up. Crazy. Like, and it blew up on streaming too, because like the thing is, like those movies. That's the kids. trick with the kids. Because well, because that's the trick is the Trolls movie has a ton of recognizable pop songs licensed in it, and you just put that on, and the kids watch and sing the songs, and like they love it. Play, play it again. Play it again. Play it again. Um, I did that too, but it was th- with disturbing dark seventies animation, and that's why I am what I am now. <laughs> Um, I don't know what these kids are going to be, but I guarantee they'll be able to dance like Justin Bieber. <laughs> so that's a hard market to crack. So I don't. I, so while I think a Rabbids movie probably would have a good chance at being something worthwhile um, to watch, you know, for for someone to watch, I understand why they don't want to touch that. Uh, I understand why they don't want to mess with some of their other properties because historical fantasy doesn't really f- fly uh, unless you get really lucky. Um, like, I don't know what else you make out of a Ubisoft, you know, like Rayman is too weird. Uh, I mean, you start making like military I guess films. You, I guess you could make the crew. Like, why aren't they <laughs> like, making like Tom Clancy films? That's another qu- a good question. I, mean, I think that might be a separate license. Or they something. own it though. They, they, they own, bought it out. They own that, but I don't know if they own the film rights. That to me is different. the smartest thing for Ubisoft to do. Also, start you notice that Tom when they Clancy. do, when they, I mean, they did a Jack Ryan TV series. Yeah. I don't know if they were involved in that. Um, I, I don't know either, actually. And you'll notice they didn't call it Tom Clancy's anything. Yeah. They just called it Jack Ryan. That's true. Um, I don't know. Like, also, I think that's a hard, uh, that's also a hard, like, line to walk in today's political climate. 
just because you don't know who you're going to offend or That's true. Come, which side you're going to accidentally come down on, depending on who you make the bad guy and what your response to the bad guys are. And, like, and it could change. Like, you can yeah, start developing the film and, like, in the middle of it, all of a sudden, yeah. someone who's not a bad guy is a bad guy. Oh, yeah, everything. Yeah. I mean, you never know. Real-world stuff can derail your entertainment plans. Like, I, mean, I was watching on Disney+, Plus. I was watching the Imagineering story. Which is fascinating if you haven't seen it. It's all about the people who make the theme parks and like. How to, but they're talking about uh, Superstar Limo, which was a terrible, terrible, terrible ride at California Adventure when it opened, and something that's even terrible in the original opening version of California Adventure is saying something. And it was ori- <laughs> you drive this limo through the, like all this like stupid Hollywood caricature stuff, and in the original concept for the limo ride, you were supposed to be paparazzi, like running around taking photos of all these celebrities, and then Princess Diana died. Oh right, and. Paparazzi were not vilified. Were, were evil. Demonized, you know, you yeah. couldn't you couldn't send you know theme park guests on a ride where they are paparazzi, and yeah. so you had to kind of de-theme it and redo it, and that like made it even worse than it already was. So like you never know when that real world thing is going to turn. Or like um, Archer, where their you know, their spy network was called ISIS. And then right. the Islamic State <laughs> yeah. showed up, and you couldn't call the yeah. heroes of the show ISIS anymore. Yeah. So like, they, they messed around with that. Like, that's stuff like that. So I think Tom Clancy stuff is sort of um, uh, scary if you're going to work on I think that's scary to someone who has to, wants to throw $150 million at a movie or something for that. I can understand why they're sticking to it. I mean, Werewolves Within is a very weird choice. But like, then I look at all their other stuff. I was like, do, do I want to watch a Watch Dogs movie? Like, not really. I would. Yeah, um, I would rather watch that than Werewolves like, Within. And for that, I mean, maybe they would work on that, but like, I think they want Legion done first. Oh, yeah. They want to know what Watch Dogs is to them first. They yeah. want to, you know, Assassin's or what Creed. what going to be, Assassin's Creed has potential, but they already blew it. They did. Uh, Prince of Persia has also, potential, I mean, but this. Prince of Persia doesn't exist anymore. I, I Beyond was, Good and Evil 2 could be a, 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 a jumping yeah. off point for something. Gods and Monsters could be a great anime. Yeah. It, it just, the choices seem strange. Uh, also this week, a Mega Man movie was announced. Like, yeah, I saw that. I don't even want to see that. I don't want to see a Mega Man movie. I don't see the need for that. I, I, it's also like, I mean, when you, you you asked me like on on text earlier this morning, like, what? okay, so what properties would you want to see, adap- would you would you want? see adapted? Yeah. And I said, my answer is none, none of them. But, like, I gave you answers. But if, I'm like, if you need answers, I can give you answers. But, like, my answer to that is video games aren't movies, and you shouldn't try to make them into them. Like, yeah. they're, they're, they're different. Like, there's just because the, seems like the premise of Mega becoming... Man works here because it's, it's a fun, you know, and I think they did a couple of decent animated shows with it. But, like, it's, where's the movie here? Where's right. the story? Like, why do I care about this character That's if I'm not controlling part. him? Why do I care? Yeah. And I'm a gamer who loves these IPs. And look at how hard it is to get. They're on what? Director number seven for Uncharted? And now it's what? 2021, they're 2021. saying maybe? Yeah, but it's going to push past. I mean, they, they delayed it to March 2021, but like, um, they haven't shot a frame of film yet. It's not coming out in March 2021. Like, they just did that because that's the end of fiscal, and they don't want to admit they're not getting that revenue in for fiscal. It'll slip another year before this is over because they don't even have a new director yet. Yeah. And like, also, I love Tom Holland. I think Tom Holland is the best Spider Man ever put on live action film. Um, he is not Nathan Drake. I'm yeah. sorry. Do you know who Nathan Drake is? Nathan Drake is Oscar Isaac. Yeah. Oscar Isaac in that outfit he's on in the desert planet in Rise of Skywalker. Like, just just find me a good Sully, and Oscar Isaac is Nathan Drake. Sully, I think, should be easy to find. Should, should be, but they're talking about Mark Wahlberg. I know. That's insane. <laughs> you me- and you remember they're when trying Mark- to turn it into, like, a buddy cop movie. And you remember when Mark Wahlberg was going to be Drake? Right. Back in November 2010? Yeah. 
Why not just hire why Nolan taken, to do it? Why hasn't taken? He looks just old. like him. He's too old. I mean, maybe in a later film when he's older he's, in the film. Or I mean, he could probably he pull off Uncharted four, yeah. Nathan. But like, you need to lay some groundwork for the audience first. Um, I mean, an Uncharted movie should be a no-brainer, and they have not been able to get that made for a decade. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, if you can't get that done, what chance does I don't know Mega Man have? And I know people keep bringing up stuff with like adapting video games because of The Witcher. The Witcher is not a video game adaptation. It adapts the sto- short stories. Yeah. It adapts the the books. Like if once as soon as you have to start adapting the games in these this thing, you're going to be in trouble because that's a different way of storytelling. It is absolutely. Uh, so you did supply us with a couple picks. Uh, one of them was God of War. Why does yeah. God of War kind of simmer War, above the other? My two my two picks for that I gave you are basically um, opposite reasons. Okay. So if someone put a gun to my head and said you have to make a TV or movie series out of a video game, I would go for one of these. I would li- license God of War. Because God of War, the, the reinvented, rebooted God of War story is cinematic and solid and functional. And I could make I could make a two-hour movie out of this story. And you would not lose a ton of character work or a ton of uh, emotional involvement with what's happening. The combat is cinematic. You could adapt it into action sequences pretty easily. Um, like, I feel like you could make this movie and it's like cleave pretty close to the game and the game's ideas and the game's look and not lose anything and feel like you'd shortchange the property, but also feel like you'd made like a movie worth watching characters worth caring about. I think a lot of that work is done for you with this game. And that's a credit to Corey Barlog and everybody who made this game and made it into that. This while game still is still so freaking gorgeous. While still making way. it fun <laughs> to play. Look at this B-roll. It's still a stunner, man. So that would Crazy. be that would be my pick for like if you want me to make like a really true to form like, you know, wow, this is like watching the game as a movie thing, I would pick God of War. My other pick for the opposite reason is Panzer, Panzer Dragoon. Okay. Um, because Panzer Dragoon, uh, and you may, you know, this is an old Sega thing. People, people may not remember this one. But this, you know, it's very light on narrative. The narrative in these games, is, except for Saga, was always pretty, you know, loose. Like, it wasn't like, you know, you, it was more like the world was interesting because you saw all this stuff in it. You never really knew what it was, but it just sort of was, well, was just window flying dressing. By. Yeah. Um, but I think I would, so I would pick this for the opposite reason, God of War. It gives me this gorgeous, weird looking universe to play in and make up anything I want. Okay. Like, I can so do anything. blank canvas. Yeah. Basically. I can do anything I want in this world. And no one can say that I didn't do the game justice because the game stories are barely fun, barely, barely there. there. Yeah. So except for Saga. Yeah. Um, and I would draw heavily from Saga as well, um, just for the mythos. But like, so those would be my two things. Either I would take something that is basically ready made to be a movie already because of the cinematic nature of it, like God of War, or I'd take something that just gives me a setting that um, that probably people have never seen before would look at and be like, oh wow, I don't know what that is, and I want to see more of it, and I would just go crazy in it. Why do you think this is happening, Matt? Why are so many games, and games that really have no right to become a TV show or a film, why are so many of them crossing over? Is it because, as you said earlier, the publishers are basically funding the projects, and therefore the filmmakers are like, well, why not? Someone else is floating the mm-hmm. bill. Or do you think that the studios really think that like these are going to do well? I think it's a mix. I think, um, or have they run out I of think, ideas? The game, are they the, creatively bankrupt the whole, at this point? The game, they haven't run out of ideas. It's the nature of the business now, the blockbuster filmmaking business. The, you can't get anything made unless someone's heard of it before. Um, you, if, you're, if you're expecting anything to be greenlit, it better be something you can point to and say, "Hey, look at that! It sold a lot." People of People like this once. already. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, that's why Sonic the Hedgehog here is happening. It's also why they actually got the money to go back and redo the character model. Right. Like, they, somebody, I mean, yes, part of it was, like, I think there was a lot of disagreement on on the part of the production, you know, the people high up high up in the production over what he should look like, and I think the wrong people won. Yep. And the, the fact that they had this char- the fact that they had this character model, which looks a thousand times better than what was there before, ready to go to be. I mean, I mean, they just was, swapped him this out. This was not this was not an overnight thing. You right. had still had to do it and and rig it and render him and redo all the shots. But this is not a from scratch. We did this and started oh, working no, on this no. in November thing. This yeah. was like there was there had to be they had a, a faction B. here, and yeah. it sounds like the director was one of the faction that thought he should look more like the game. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you. I made the tactical error of seeing cats a, we- <laughs> a week ta- ago. The tactical error. You want to talk? You want to talk about Tom Clancy? That, that movie is complete and total madness. People do not underestimate what that is. About a third of the way through, when Rebel Wilson stri- zipped her own skin off and started eating cockroaches with babies on their faces, <laughs> I thought I was dreaming. I was going to wake up and be like, "Wow, I can't believe what I, I had a dream about cats. How weird it was." But no, that was really in the movie. And um, there was a preview for this before it. And I'll tell you this much, 8, eight o'clock show in Burbank, 90% full on a Tuesday night. What the hell? That's weird. Um, this, the, the, Cats is becoming like a uh, – people keep saying Rocky Horror. It's so not, bad it's It's good. not Rocky Horror. Okay. Rocky Horror is a pretty good movie on its own. This is The Room. Okay. This, this, is, uh, <laughs> this is definitely the, Tommy Wiseau's The Room with, with musical CG cat monsters. <laughs> um, but they ran this, this trailer, and the crowd went crazy really like they cheered and were like woo at the wow. end of that. like they loved it now maybe it was just because the theater was That's full great. of furries but like <laughs> that might have it, something to do like i it. i'm not ready to dismiss this movie like I i'm not ready either. to say this is gonna bomb yeah i just watched detective pikachu it just i like that it just came on hbo it wasn't bad no it wasn't great but it was, was it was good it was it solid. Got absurd at a couple points but but i will say detective pikachu um i would use that screenplay to teach three-act structure to a class yeah. in college like yeah. it is it is by, by the, the numbers book. yeah in a way that you rarely see, yeah. but that's all it needs to be. But that's why they're supposed films are supposed to be designed that, that way. That structure needs it's to how be human there. Beings absorb it. And quite frankly, with a video game movie, you might as well stick to the basics. Yeah, yeah. because let's just play it safe. Going <laughs> off in Crazy Town leads you to the Resident <laughs> Evil series, and yeah. no one wants that. We know where that is. Yeah. Um. So it's it's. So a, wait, you never really answered the question. Well, though. I think it's. I think it's a combination of the game companies that own these properties seeing another revenue stream available. And I think it's the movie studios feeling, you know, right now the, the conventional wisdom is that if it's not an established property, you're not going to get it off the ground. So it's checking a couple boxes. So it's basically it's, like it's established. People know it. And Hey, somebody else is going to help fund it. Yeah. And also like, because you get, you can then say, if you're the producer that's clearing this thing for the studio, you can point to your, say to your bosses and the, the higher ups, like this is a proven property. People have made millions of dollars on this thing, so we should be able to make millions of dollars on this thing. And even if it bombs, at least you can't be blamed for choosing something that nobody liked in the first yeah, place. Yeah. Like then you, the, the you I can keep po- people from getting fired. You can li- yeah, you can literally <laughs> point the finger elsewhere. Like yeah. that. I mean, it, a lot the of it is a, net for a lot of it is a blame game. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, you I mean, know it's that. not just the, mo- the movie both, business. No, we both worked in that world for long enough yeah. to know that. But it's more. I mean, when there's two hundred million dollars on the line. And you made a hundred and fifty million dollar cats movie, and it made six million dollars in its opening weekend. <laughs> Someone in trouble. Sounds like it's coming back though. <laughs> but I mean, I, well, it's still only made like twenty six million. It's not yeah. going to make a profit, but it will become. 
it will, as the Broadway tagline said in the 80s, be now and forever, whether we like it or not. Yeah. And, um, but again, Cats is another example of that. Longest running Broadway show for for a long time changed how Broadway shows were out and major yeah. musicals were done. Like it, it yeah, you revolutionized. Can see why it was it. You can yeah. see why they did it. Yeah. I can't explain any other creative choice in that <laughs> fucking movie, but I understand why they made it. Um, so I think that's what it, I think it's just Hollywood casting around for the next big thing that's already pre-made and pre-packaged and pre-marketed for them because original stuff that really blows up and becomes a big thing in Hollywood is in, in the blockbuster space is extremely rare these yeah. days. I mean, the only thing I can really think of in in the last several years is probably John Wick, um, which is, again, why it's a really good thing that cyberpunk has Keanu Reeves. Yep. Um, beyond that, I'll give, you give me like the top – Movies. I mean, that's why this year is kind of interesting for movies because all the big franchises ended last year in a very real yeah. way. Star Wars and I mean, it didn't end. you're gonna have more Star Wars movies? You're gonna have more Marvel movies, but the big, you know, the big you close the book on Marvel, yeah. Marvel's first big era. You yeah. close the book on the Skywalker saga. Yeah. You. I mean, it's uh, you close the book on Game of Thrones. Yeah, it was a big it, year. You're right. I get a it's lot crazy of stuff think that, about. that was like really. Pop culture. Ingrained in pop culture, the stuff we talk about all the time is gone. Is gone. You know, yeah. we're not going to get a new installment what of are those we things fill this it year. With? And I mean, even Marvel, you know, Marvel's still around, but where are we again? We're going to Black Widow prequel and The Eternals. And speaking to someone who's been into comic books for 40 years, I could not give less of a shit about The Eternals. The Eternals I mean, might isn't be the that l- kind of like the equivalent of like a werewolves with a little bit? Film? It is a little bit. <laughs> I like, I, I mean, I'm, sh- I will see The Eternals and I'm sure it is. Fine, if if Kevin Feige and the Marvel crew uh, think they have a story worth telling with those characters, I believe you because I thought the same thing when you announced Guardians of the Galaxy and I was wrong. Right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they've earned that from me. But at the same time, the Eternals might be the least interesting property Marvel has in their entire stable to me. Um, and, like, you, you don't have – so you don't have anything really exciting there. There's no new Star Wars movie. There's no new uh, – there's a Fast and Furious movie, I guess. Um, but it's like – you're you're sort of casting around for like what's going to fill that space? What's going to be the thing yeah. everybody's excited about now? And and like James Cameron hopes it's Avatar. I don't know if that's true, um, but like there's a lot there's a lot of of um, open space right now. There's there's opportunity. If you're, yeah, I mean I don't think you believe that video game movies or a video game movie no, franchise is going to fill that. Absolutely void, not. Yeah. But try telling someone who's trying to like desperately fill a a, a, a movie slate schedule from for 2023 that. And they don't know what else to do, and they're just looking at how much money all. The, I mean, someone out there, I promise you, is trying to pitch a Fortnite movie oh, right yeah. now. Oh, you know, there's been like a thousand pitches oh, yeah. for Fortnite movies, and Epic's, Epic's just sitting back and waiting for the next grape to be fed for them while they they pick and choose like everyone's future. They better know? not wait too long. No, I mean, I mean I think you gotta strike while the iron's you hot. D- yeah, you definitely do. And actually, I would make. I think Fortnite would work better as a animated tv series how would you even do that like i mean it's i mean you're right i I mean they made one out of minecraft yeah like so (laughs) kinda kinda. sorta i don't know so do you think it's gonna get worse matt you think it's just gonna keep happening i think it will keep happening until it stops happening which is like because they've lost money enough enough of the studios over and over yeah enough of the studios will take a bath on this thing that they'll back off of the video game thing until 15 years from now when suddenly everybody can try oh maybe now you know it's like yeah no still not now and like the the witcher (laughs) is interesting because it is a trojan horse it's not a video game adaptation but everyone knows it from the video game to the point that they think it is even people who should know better most people who watch it on netflix did not know it was based on a game. I was out having dinner and I listened to a conversation at the table next to us 
and it was like five people talking, and they're talking mm-hmm. about the show. They're like, it's kind of like Game of Thrones. Like, it might be the next Game of Thrones. And then the one, one person at the table goes, you know that it's based on a video game. Mm-hmm. And everyone else is like, what? Yeah, really? No I mean, to me, like, they had no idea. To me, it's weird because I remember when the first game came out, and I thought it was awesome. I mean, I don't, the game wasn't super awesome because it was based kind on Neverwinter Nights. Yeah. But the world was amazing, and yeah. I loved the tone and the... And the mythology and how it all kind of took old fables and like Eastern European folklore and like twisted it and like it was almost like I love that The Witcher takes like classic Eastern European folklore and um, and twisted an even even worse darker thing and makes it like oh yeah this is the real stuff that these legends are based on the legends sanitized it for the sake of like folklore but this is what really happened and I love that idea yeah. like, that's a cool idea the books do that too and. I, it's funny to me that, you know, 12, 13 years ago, I was the only one on the X-Play team, like, trying to advocate this game and how, like, this is going to be awesome. And this is great. And The Witcher 2 came out and was like, here, give it to Matt. Like, you know, <laughs> give it to the weirdo who collects all the Witchers. I mean, when they went to Gamescom the, the year after when The Witcher Enhanced Edition launched, like, Wade, or, you know, my boss, like, the guy who ran X-Play, he came back with, like, a bag full of Witcher stuff just for me. He's like, he's like Nobody else wanted it. No, because, well, <laughs> no, he, he actively went around to CD Projekt Red and had them give him everything they had. Cause he's like, I want to bring this back to, to my friend. He's a to big my fan. Friend, who's, like, a, a Witcher nut for you. And, um, yeah, he gave me all this stuff that is, like, completely impossible to find now for that. And, like... Now, like I'm, you know, like I like can say, like I can go to a restaurant and hear someone talking about The Witcher. It's pretty insane. And I'm just like, what? A, that's so. Yeah. I mean, and that's. Indicative. But I would have said that The Witcher was a video game franchise that could become a yeah, good TV show. Could have been, and, so, and there aren't many, but that's one of them. That is one of them, in part because the source material supports it. Yeah. You know, and like, uh, also I think that is part of the zeitgeist that has defined the last ten years. Is the last ten years have been sort of the rise of geekdom. In, in the mainstream pop culture. Geek becoming ungeek, basically. Yeah, basically. I mean, because I, I was culture. even talking about this uh, last night where, with, uh, it's like, if you ask me my favorite movies of the aughts, because we're talking about, we're talking basically talking about like what defines the style of the aughts versus the style of the teens versus the style of the eight, you because know, the 80s is easy to, 80s oh, and yeah. 90s, I can tell you that. Style of the aughts, like part of it's because I was too old, so I don't know what the kids were wearing. But part of it is like, what defines movies from that era? Like, if I'm like, if I'm picking my favorite movies from the aughts, I'm picking stuff like No Country for Old Men, yeah. There Will Be Blood, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, like stuff like that, like kind of the the mid level sort of stuff that wasn't really big Sony, blockbusters. The yeah. Sony classics, the Fox Searchlights, yeah, you know, because yeah. the big blockbusters outside of something like Dark Knight didn't really do much for me. But if you ask me to pick my favorite movies of the previous this teens of the teens, Mad Max Fury Road is probably the best movie made in all ten of those years, and like tons of critics agree with that too. And like that's just a big blockbuster. Clear. I mean, it's it one is, of the best yeah. ever made. But that's a difference. Like that's yeah. a big difference from like a fucking Coen Brothers movie being like my favorite thing of the decade. We changed that the landscape changed in crazy ways in the last ten years, and I think. The acceptance of video games as not only mainstream entertainment, but a viable source of kind of this narrative idea. And I I think it will prove to not be a viable source of it. But I think there's no way to tell the people pulling the purse strings right now that that's true until they learn it for themselves firsthand. Interesting. Um, And I'm not sure. I Originally, if you asked me a few months ago, I would have said I think Sonic the Hedgehog is going to be the first one that really teaches that lesson. I'm not so sure anymore. I think Sonic might do all right. I think it's going to do okay the first opening weekend. Yeah. I think it'll, I think it'll have a strong opening weekend. I don't think weekend. it'll have legs, though. Well, we'll see. Well, it depends on how it reviews, I guess. If the kids want to see it over and over, I mean, that's how the Minions happen. That's true. Like, you never know what's going to hit <laughs> yeah, with, that, that, with that audience. So, yeah. mm. Yep, we'll see. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about streaming. Um, 
Streaming has really evolved over the last six months since Ninja decided to leave Twitch for Mixer. He was the first. And since that happened, there has been a max exodus on Twitch as Mm. some of its most popular streamers start going to Mixer. I mean, there's a bunch of, like, startup streaming like platforms now. Yeah, it's trying. interesting to see. I, I never thought anyone would have really have the balls to like start up against Twitch. It just seems so monolithic, but it's happening. Oh, I mean, first of all, Mixer stealing Ninja. Yeah. That was huge. Not only for Mixer because they got the biggest talent away from Twitch, but because it showed all the other streamers on Twitch that, hey, if Ninja yeah. is willing to go someplace else, maybe that's something yeah. I should at least consider. Do you know what I saw the other day? I was in a Barnes & Noble and Ninja wrote a book. Oh, yeah. Like a novel. Well, like a, I mean, it's with a ghostwriter. Yeah, obviously. yeah. I but it's say he didn't write but it. But it's like a young adult novel, like like fantasy novel about him, about him if he was a ninja kind of thing. Yeah. I'm like, I don't even know what world <laughs> we live in anymore. <laughs> so, look, he, he left, and since then it's been huge defe- deflections. And what has been going on, Matt, is that these companies are offering these kids, like, gigantic contracts mm-hmm. to go away um, or to <laughs> – Come over here, not just to go away. I mean, well, I mean, to go away from Twitch. I would love to be paid to go away. Yeah, <laughs> and, and a, go away and don't do anything for a year. He would not. What's going on? It's <laughs> getting a little, uh, little review. Of yeah, the, uh, look, we're all blue now. <laughs> I think we're frozen on the uh, the opening. <laughs> he said that if he would we, not, we've moved from Twitch to underwater. <laughs> we, have, we are now Avatar Two. But he said if he would not stream for 48 hours, he would lose like 40,000 followers on Mm -hmm. Twitch, which means that you would just never, ever not stream. Um, And what... It seems like a terrible life. Oh, it's awful. Like, you know, people are always like, why don't you stream more? I'm like, I have no interest in doing that. None. It's like, I'm okay playing a game that like our users want to see for our users. If it's not available yet and the embargo says we're allowed to stream it. I'm cool with that because I'm doing something for our audience. But <laughs> hmm. that's when it makes sense. It doesn't make sense in any other case for me because my goal is not to become some superstar rock star streamer. That's just not what my goal is. My goal is to make Sifted successful. I, I could not be that kind of a streamer and have a chance of running Sifted no. because you have to dedicate your life all day. every. I would never do it. So – the kids are getting sick of doing it too, Matt. And the reason that they're leaving to go other places, it's not even necessarily about the money, although I'm sure that's a big part of it, and their parents looking at the contract and being like, oh, you're signing that. But it's more about if they go to these new platforms and they have a contract signed where they're not reliant upon subscribers to make a living, it changes their life. Mm-hmm. Because now all of a sudden, look, I have a salary. I don't have to worry about people subscribing via Twitch Prime anymore. You don't yeah, have to worry as long about, as you hit the goals that your employer that's in your contract for you. You're fine. You're fine, and that's why a lot of kids are leaving Twitch, and they're going to. And again, mm-hmm. I'm sure their parents have a big influence on it too, um, as far as looking yeah. at the financial. Although a lot of these people are, you know, in their late twenties. I'm sure they they make their own decisions on that. Um, but a lot so, of them aren't. Some of them aren't. Yeah, a lot of the esports kids in particular who make money competing Mm -hmm. but make the bulk of their money streaming a lot of those kids are 10 11 13 Mm. they're like tweens or preteens um so i uh what do you think the future is going to be because it basically what's happening is streaming is turning into television yep 
The, it, every television was a model for a long time for a reason. Yeah, I mean, like, it, basically how you look at it is that's what the online people are thinking. Figure, online people are figuring out is like all the ad stream revenue, all the pop ups. Okay, paid advertisements work. Yeah, like there's a reason television ran that way for you know long, uh, a longer than a human lifetime at this point is because you know what, you know what you're getting. Everyone knows what the transaction is about. You know your, where your money's coming from. The people giving you the money know what they're getting in exchange. Uh, there was too too much of sort of the online like ad service or revenue stream idea, especially with how Twitch worked. Also with YouTube, but that was more related to how Google messes with the algorithm um, and resulting in people having to scramble to keep their business model current. Um, there's just no ev- evidence that there's money there. You know, it's the, it's the esports problem. It's like, how do we make money on this? Yeah. Like, there's all this stuff. There's all this interest. There's all these... People watching. There's all this stuff. Where's the revenue? Because what's going to happen is these streaming services are going to become networks. Yeah. Twitch is going to become the equivalent of an NBC. Mixer is going to become CBS. It, it, Pretty much. I mean, and honestly, those channels eventually are going to be on the same services as NBC mm-hmm. and CBS. Especially uh, if the deregulation continues. Right. It's all just going to be mashed up. You have up. to subscribe to Twitch. Right. Or it'll be a part of, like, a cable package yeah. or whatever. Like, it's all just going to mess just, together. You'll have to pay for, you know, when you buy your internet subscription every month, you'll have to have a separate part of the bill for streaming. Yeah. Or it's just part of DirecTV or your cable program. Like, that could be, depending on how mergers go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, because you can choose what you want to watch on Twitch, it's not a one-to-one comparison. And mm-hmm. I don't think you could make a linear Twitch channel where the programmers are choosing which streamers that they show. Um, I think that could work on a small scale, but not on a bigger scale. I think you could have a successful business doing that, but as far as broadcast, no way. The overhead for stuff like that, I just don't see it working. Mm. Um, but that's where it's headed, and I think you're right. I think, I think when people launch something new and something disruptive like a Twitch, there's a reluctance to ever do anything that may make that product seem like something old. Mm. And I think... A lot of times the thirst for making sure that everything you're doing with a product is new and groundbreaking sometimes can be to your detriment. To Mm -hmm. your point of Twitch would do much better if it had an ad model like network TV. Now, the ad model on network TV and and cable and stuff like that is starting to look a little tenuous. So maybe Twitch in some ways was right. But as of right now, you can make so much more money per minute of content on with the traditional advertising model than you can mm-hmm. with the internet advertising model. So, um, and again, when your talent, I mean, you want to, you would call them your stars or your actors, your streamers are unhappy and they're miserable working on your product every day. Maybe it's time to kind of reevaluate it. And it sounds like these new services were smart in that instead of worrying so much about the tech. And look, their tech's good, but Twitch does so much stuff that the other ones don't. Yeah, They just looked at it like, hey, that hype train, as awesome as it is, and it gets us all excited, I love it. Is it better to have a hype train that goes across the screen while someone's streaming, or is it to have better contracts for the talent so we can keep the talent? Mm -hmm. And I think some of these other services have learned the hard lessons for Twitch while Twitch kind of digs its heels in and says, this is the way we're doing it. We're the leader. We're still the leader. Although, for the first time ever last year, it, it actually dropped. Its percentage of streaming audience went from, like, 68% to 61%. It 
Roughly. Sure. Don't quote me on that, but I think those numbers are roughly accurate. So last year was the first year where Twitch actually lost audience to the streaming of the street of the streaming audience. So I don't know. I think Twitch is going to have to reevaluate. Mm-hmm. It's going to have to say, look, this is how things are changing. We're starting to lose talent. I mean, you would think that that would have happened when Ninja left its biggest star, but it didn't seem to because it's continued to go down the path of we're more worried about making the product more full featured than kind of looking at the the status of our employees or in the happiness or lack thereof of our mm-hmm. employees. Um and maybe that's part of that is that everybody who – most people who work for Twitch are contract employees. Yeah. I mean, true. they're not staffers. They don't have to think about this. Like, Twitch doesn't have to pay for health insurance, 401K, for like 99% of its employees. Think about that. Yep. And some of those people, those employees, are working way more than 40 hours a week. Yep. I mean, Ninja streams when he was on Twitch. He was streaming 12 hours a day. So in five days – you're already at 60 hours. And then he would say, I couldn't take a day off. So he'd actually work mm-hmm. another like 20. He was working like 80-hour weeks, getting no health insurance from Twitch, nope. getting no 401k, no 401k match, like any the, of that stuff. And the instant, no life insurance. And the instant that goes wrong, it's right. all over. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it, I feel like Twitch, obviously, we're on Twitch right now. It is the leader. We're here for a reason. It's where the most people are. But I am starting to see cracks in the armor a little bit. And it's good because it ultimately it's going to push Twitch to get better. It's going to push all the services to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the focus on some of these upstarts on because if Twitch really wanted to revamp things and make things better for their for their at least for their top streamers, they could. Like, there's no reason they couldn't oh, give yeah. them better deals than what the competition's trying to give them. And they they did say at first Twitch would not. And I'm, a lot of this information, by the way, are, is based on two articles. There's a big article that went up on Polygon this week about it. And there's a big article that went up on CNN about it. They're both curated to sifted right now. But that's where I'm getting a lot of this information mm-hmm. from. Um, if you're wondering, like, where are these facts coming from? I got them from those articles that yeah. you can find. I, I admit, I don't, I don't watch a lot of streaming stuff. I don't um, anymore. I went through a phase where I did. Like, at night, I would, like, okay, let's see what's going on on Twitch. Sometimes I do. I mean, I watch fighting game tournaments, and I schadenfreude watch low viewership Star Citizen streams. <laughs> I I like to watch Star Citizen, like really like fervent cult like Star Citizen streamers who have like ten viewers. Yeah, like I don't know why that gives me such a. <laughs> it, it's like the worst. It's, thing. it's probably like the worst thing I do <laughs> as a human being. As a human, yeah. I'm like, but like I just I just well, and I that's don't, the case. You're I don't, doing pretty good. I don't talk to them. I don't you know. I don't like troll a chat. I, I just sit there and watch, and I'm like, what would this be like? What would it be like to be this person? I mean, like, especially when they're like clearly in like their bedroom in their parents' house or something, and you're like, and they're on like twelve hours a day because yeah. you have to, because you know that's you the conventionalism. You have to, be, but they have like thirty subscribers maybe, and maybe ten are in viewing at any given time, and you just, I just sit there and I'm just like, what is your life? <laughs> What are you going to do? Like, I'll say this. I actually admire people like that. It goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of the show about the Mamba mentality. I'm sure those kids have people telling them, you are insane. What are you doing? You're wasting your time. But they have a dream and they're trying to achieve it. But sometimes the people telling you that are right. They are. Um, And and like one of the things that I think you see in the Mamba mentality and that you see in what you've done with Sifted and what you see with how Kobe is you make sure – that the success is in your control. Yep. Or as much as you can make it so. And streaming on Twitch, none of it's in your control. 
Twitch it's can hard. Twitch can fuck you whenever they want, and they I'm not can. saying they would intentionally seek out someone with ten viewers and just like right. screw them, screw them to have fun with them. Although that would be an interesting Black Mirror episode. <laughs> it would. Um, <laughs> I'm saying like they can just change a policy and it screws you completely over, and that's the end of it. And like there's nothing you can do. I mean, all they would have to do is just change the requirements to become a partner so, or an affiliate, so what, but like change yeah. your die. And like you know that happens. I mean that happens on YouTube too. You know I you know I know people that work for YouTube content creation studios. You know that their whole thing. I mean they're channels, but they are a, they are a production company yeah. that makes YouTube videos. And YouTube changed their algorithm last year at one point, and they had you know some of these places had to completely change how their format works because they were doing a certain kind of thing, and that certain kind of thing no longer told the algorithm it was successful anymore, and they had to completely pivot, and people lost their jobs because they weren't yeah. equipped to make that con this new. M- frankly, more vapid content that was necessary to kind of keep those those views up, and that is not a sustainable business model. To, to me. your to your point, you like, are, I, mean, I have never a, done that with Sifted. No. Like, look, we get every time we post something on YouTube, we get at least ten people trying to tell us how to run our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. In a lot of cases, for right that moment, they're probably right. It probably is the best practice. And a lot of times, sometimes I listen, and I always listen. Sometimes I make the change. Sometimes I won't. But for me, it's like you said, it's so fluid. And the way things change, one little Mm -hmm. one or a zero puts somewhere else. All of a sudden, like what you were doing before no longer works. So when a lot of- You're building a castle on wet sand. Right, and so a lot of cases, I just build the castle the way I want to, knowing Mm -hmm. that it's safe. And yeah, I'm not getting this short-term gain. Our channel isn't growing all that fast on YouTube, but it it doesn't change. Yeah, like when they sort of, change an sort of algorithm, the, it's sort of it doesn't affect us at all. Right. It's sort of the 401k investment strategy versus the day trading strategy. Right. Yeah. That's a good way to put it, actually. And I'm I'm building like a portfolio in a 401k mm-hmm. instead of trying to strike it rich day trading every day. Yeah. Like you're never going to get the, the Learjet. Right. You're also not going to lose it all just because something exactly. happened one day and turned on like the Like you're, t- you're telling me like about the channel you're speaking about and how they lost whatever percent. Like that's never happened to us. Right. Like they can change an algorithm. We, we have stuck to that tiny percentage <laughs> hanging on <laughs> But seriously, yeah. like it's true. And it has built slowly over time. But, you know, it, there's no right or wrong way to do it, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Because you can parlay that short-term success and then change what you're doing and then kind of level off and say, okay, now we're going to do this to make sure we maintain if we want to. I mm-hmm. mean, there's different ways you can approach it. There's multiple ways it's going to cat. But where do you think this is all going, Matt? Do you agree with me that you think someday these streaming platforms are just going to become like any other TV channel? I don't know if there'll be any like any other TV channel, but I think they will be a more codified thing. I think they will be they will settle into a more recognizable business model. They will have to create some kind of stability for the people that depend on on their services for ad revenue. I think you will you know, and I think the only logical place to look for that is the network production company model. I think the only like you have to one of the ways you have to establish business rules and how business is done is you have to set up, you know, reasonable expectations. Like everyone knows how this is going to work. And if you just keep tweaking things and messing with things, and all of a sudden the algorithm's weird, and we don't make, you know, our revenue got cut by twenty percent, not because of anything we did, but because, you know, YouTube decided that this is how this is going to work now. Um, you can't, you can't establish a business doing that because that's too, it's too volatile, and you can't get investors at that point. Yeah, and that means the that's whole model falls apart, and then YouTube has nothing, except that guy alone in his basement playing Star Citizen. Yeah, and nobody wants that. Yeah, and now we're except also, Chris Roberts. Yeah, and now we're also starting to see networks compete for esports. Um, YouTube just signed exclusively both Overwatch and Call of Duty leagues, mm-hmm. and now we're starting to see kind of that 
that uh, that process of all the different networks kind of competing over the licenses mm-hmm. to run these esports competitions. Now we haven't seen a lot of major TV networks doing that. Most of the stuff is no. all digital, but digital or like ESPN two dabbled in it here and there. ESPN two is like the only broadcast, and TN, yeah. TNT I think did some. Of course, stuff. every August eighth. Yeah, the Ocho. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's funny that you remember the exact date, even though it is the eighth. It's yeah. It's eight eight eight. eight. Yeah. That's right. The Ocho. <laughs> my favorite. My favorite sports programming day. Of it the is year. pretty awesome. I, I actually watch pretty much ESPN all day that day. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're starting to see competition now for esports stuff, even though, as you said earlier, there's no money in it mm-hmm. yet. That's the other thing is that could happen. Like in a worst case scenario, it just all goes away. Yeah. Like there's no reason. We've gotten used to it, but there's no reason a streaming service needs to exist in the world. There's no reason YouTube needs to exist. But I like, think what you just said kind of shows me that it isn't going away when you said we're used to it. Oh, yeah. Because that means that all the kids, they're not just used to it. That's just an acceptable, yeah. accepted part of life. But also, like, if YouTube went away, someone else would try it. Oh, sure. Like I would. Someone else would, would be like, well, <laughs> yeah, we can do that. Not to. Yeah. I feel like I could absolutely build a better YouTube. I think a lot of people feel mm-hmm. like that. Uh, you need a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah, and you like, need really deep pockets to run it for the first. But, three but with years. that in place, I don't think you would have a problem doing it better. No, yeah, it, but that's a big hurdle. I mean, there's about <laughs> there's about five people in the world that could like start that initiative, and I feel like Jeff Bezos doesn't care. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's four. <laughs> Elon could do it. Yeah, and he gets it. And maybe maybe one Sunday he decides to. I don't know. You're right. Maybe one day he just wakes up and he's like, you know yeah. what? Man's rather mercurial. He is. He so. does kind of just float with the wind. It seems like so. Um, streaming, it, it's just gonna, no matter what, I think we can both agree, it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you realize this or not. I had an idea two years ago. So I have friends, I, when I text about games, I text with people like you. I have other friends that I text with about sports. Mm-hmm. And two years ago, I sent a text to one of my buddies who's like my hockey buddy. We'll text about hockey all the time. And I sent him a text and I was like, you know, I'm like, have you ever checked out Twitch before? And he's like, I know what it is. He works in entertainment, too. He like, He's, like, represented by the huge talent agency here in L.A. He's a comedy writer. And um, I was like, you, have you heard of Twitch? He's like, I know about it, and I kind of know what it is. And I was like, well, I just had an idea for a streaming site where people go to watch other people watch sports. So mm. you would go, and, like, it would be me, and the Steelers game's about to come on, and we watch, like, the Steelers game together. And it's a crowd of people watching the Steelers together. And he was like, you are insane. He's like, mm. nobody would ever do that. I'm like, people used to say that. No I'm one would want to watch games. someone play a video game. I'm like, people would absolutely do it. And then today, I'm doing research for this, and I come across Twitch has signed a deal with the NFL, mm. and now you can watch NFL games on Twitch with your audience. And I was like, whoop, there's another there idea down the toilet. And then I immediately texted my buddy, and I was like, there you go. So you didn't think it was possible. So I see these services continuing to cross over into other areas of pop culture mm-hmm. and become more than just a place where people go to watch gamers play video games. Yeah, and I think, I mean, Facebook's trying to do that too. That's, that's the goal of Oculus yep. is to let you all watch together not on the Twitch thing, but I think once you get that in kind of a friends and family position, it's a matter of time before you're talking about mass audience viewing together. Yeah. You're talking about you're talking about basically a, a, you know Ninja you know doing a deal where instead of like you know the new Star Wars movie premieres in a, in Fortnite, Ninja's like, oh, come watch Star Wars with me for this you know pay this much, and like everybody sits in like a virtual coliseum 
and watches the new Star Wars movie in VR or something yeah. like oh, that. All that stuff's coming, for yeah, sure. It's like 10 years down the road, but it's like... I don't even know if it's that far, man. I think it depends how fast the headsets evolve yeah, into something sure. that's, that's worth. You know, if you it seems like they're evolving pretty quick. But like, is that you know? I mean, I'm not saying you're going to premiere a movie that way, but you could premiere it on like streaming that way. Oh yeah, for sure. Like the first day, the day before it goes up yeah. for everybody to rent or whatever. Do you like can, a you watch pay party? Like this, you know, pay the, to pay like a little fee to go in and watch this as a watch party with like a popular streamer or something. Yep, and like put the the commentary on a discreet channel so you mm-hmm. can turn it on and off if you want, yep. so you don't have to listen to him talk if you just want to watch a film. It, the possibilities are endless. So I feel like it's funny, you know, 50 years That's like years the next now, level director's commentary, but yeah, you, you yeah. could have the actual directors. You could have them there. there. You absolutely could doing it live. Like yeah. it's, I can't even fathom what's going to be happening in 50 years when I'm long gone. Like what, what kind of technology will be there? But mm. I think oh, Twitch, I intend to tell you <laughs> 50 years ain't that long. <laughs> it really isn't. But I think Twitch will still be there. Will it be... I'll only be 93. Will it be what it is right now? <laughs> Probably not. It'll be something almost unrecognizable at that point. But Twitch is the brand I think mm-hmm. will still be there. And Mixer and a lot of these other young startups. Like, you're right. Like, you always wondered, like, who would do this? But they actually are looking at the long game. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, our first three years, Twitch is going to eat our lunch. But so what? Like, at year five, I can sell this thing for, like, a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... Money making money in yeah. a lot of ways, but somebody and you has can to do it. and you're you know you see some of these guys, some of these entrepreneurs, these guys and girls like understand the idea. It's like like if you if you pitch it to a room of executives or a room of people like us, for like Meh, like wow, or you're like your buddy who doesn't understand that. But then like half the time, I think why would anyone want to do that? I go back to visit my sister and my niece and nephew are doing exactly that. Yep. So like, you know, why would what? Erebus Jones in chat says uh, there's something called Soccer Saturday that I guess they've been doing in Europe for a while. I'd never heard about it. Mm. I mean, makes sense. Like, soccer is usually ahead of the game. When it, also, they call it soccer there? Well, I think he's just I think he's just placating our, well, our yeah, but, Yankee. Well, I don't meanings. know. Soccer Saturday has alliteration. Football Saturday doesn't. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I did not know that it was being done anywhere for any sport. Um, is that on Twitch? Or is that, like, something that, like, BBC does or whatever? I don't, I don't know. know. Interesting. Anyway. I, f- I really wish I was a soccer fan. Like, soccer fan, soccer stuff and soccer fandom seems like the coolest. It's fun. Yeah. What, what I like about soccer versus pretty much any other sport is how the fans don't fight each other. <laughs> like, Well, except. Well, they fight <laughs> the fans of other teams. Right. But, like, the fans, fans of, of a team individual. are banded together, like, yeah. airtight. Like, you go to a football game, you'll see, like, a New York Giants fan fight another New York mm-hmm. Giants fan. Like, you don't really see that in soccer. Like, I love how they, like, march down the street to the stadium mm-hmm. before the games. Like, all of that. I love it. I like, I like the local aspect of yeah. it. I like how – I like that there's local – every little area has their own team they support. and I like the whole unity aspect of it, how they're all united. And that's why a lot of the teams are, like, whatever – United. Yeah, is it soccer Saturday? Okay, soccer Saturday is on Sky. On Sky. It's easier, easier than, than football, football Saturday. Saturday to say. <laughs> and the fans can be pure scum at times. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've seen the videos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the it, hooligans are loose. Yeah, again. Yep. So anyway. Just what wanted, if they become a ruffians? Yeah. We check in with, with Twitch and streaming once a year, it seems like. Yeah. Um, and it's a slow time of year, and there was all this news around it, so I figured we'd talk about it again. And I think compared to the last time we had a conversation about it, a lot has changed. Mm-hmm. That was a very different conversation than the last time we talked about Twitch. Yeah, so, just, just having any kind of viable other option is a, is a new wrinkle. It is. And especially when you have big guys like Ninja going over to that other mm-hmm. viable option. Uh, it'll be interesting, too, once the new consoles come out. You know, 
Xbox Series X is going to be jacked straight into Mixer. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if that helps in any way, shape, or form with uh, them stealing a little bit of market share away from Twitch. But anyway, let's move on. So we talked earlier about gaming going into TV and films, but Matt, I think that there is a scourge that is becoming far, far worse, and that is the video game crossover. So this week, Ubisoft announced that there is a Terminator event Mm. coming to Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Terminator's everywhere these days. Dude, this makes no sense. To me, this just reeks of desperation. Yeah, Predator was in the last one. Was he? Yeah, they had a special event with a. He pre- was in Ghost Recon. He was, he was in uh, yeah, uh, Wildlands. Wildlands. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. I actually, totally forgot. It was actually about really that. good. Was it? Yeah, it was fun. It was hard, but it was fun. Like creepy. Uh, so. I mean, that's not as cool. I mean, that. I mean, again, it was in a tropical jungle area, and like it made sense to put the predator in that. I mean, well, the other thing too is that Wildlands was far more like a a caricature and cartoony. Yeah, it had more of a sense of humor. Yeah, Breakpoint was just uh, from. Although to be fair, they played the predator thing completely straight. So. Oh, they did in Wildlands. They did. It was really good. I really liked it. It's just to me, Breakpoint, which has been marketed from the beginning to be this crazy, realistic, like well, tactical shooter, it I never ended know. up being that way. No, it's, but it's, that's what it's been it's marketed. Just, it's as. just Wildlands again. And now um, all of a sudden, it's like it's sci-fi. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's always been sci-fi. All the drone stuff and everything is not real. Like it, it's it's near future I, sci-fi. But now, like that finding a Terminator. I mean, look, factory dude, a Terminator is, is like five thousand years in the future. Like, uh, like some of the stuff that's in Breakpoint may exist already. In fact, a lot of it does. Like, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, like over <clears throat> the New Year, a lot of the fireworks displays were replaced yeah, by drone drones. displays. So, I mean, it's getting close. Sure, but I mean, it's it's ridiculous, but it's also like it fits the theme. It's a kind of a natural like evolution of sort of like into the ridiculous realm of like what you're doing in, in Breakpoint, fighting renegade technology. Um, I, I don't think it fits at all. It's fun, sure, but... I don't think DLC necessarily needs to fit. I think You don't? Okay, I mean, that's a good discussion. I think that's fine. Do you say, also, I, so do you look Breakpoint is a goddamn comedy of of errors. Whenever I play it, like things rolling down hills and shit. Like, that's unintentional, though. Yeah, but like this is <laughs> it's fine. Like play around a bit. That's cool. I mean, so is that your your position that yeah, a care. game once you get the DLC, you just have free reign to do whatever you want? I think it's fine to have like DLC that just kind of goes goes off the rails a little bit. Yeah, I think this, I play play a little bit. I and it doesn't matter the game, the base game. Like you can yeah. just completely ignore it and just go for it. Yeah, I think it's fine. As long, I mean, keep the gameplay pretty much the same. I guess. I mean, this isn't as interesting to me as the predator thing because the predator was agile and crazy he's invisible and you had to run I mean, you had to use serious teamwork to like find him and and track him and figure all that i mean that was, it really played into the concept of the game the terminator is just sort of a bullet sponge so i don't see how that's going to be as compelling as the predator was um but you know i don't i mean, I mean and like i don't want to say like oh i'm sure they figured it out because like i don't think I, it's fair to say that about breakpoint at all <laughs> yeah they, it doesn't they seem have like they have figured anything that. out yeah um I haven't played it in a long time. I don't know if they've even fixed some of the really basic stuff. I mean, maybe you should be fixing some of the basic stuff where you start cramming Ex- movie exactly. characters Exactly, yeah. Um, but, like, I don't I don't have a problem with the concept of that. Do I you think, think this cool. is a – and I, I'll just say before I even ask you that Can't I – Can't wait for the Watch Dogs Legion's Aliens content. <laughs> and I'll just say this before I even ask you. I do not believe this to be the case. But do you think that this is a knee-jerk reaction to the game bombing? No. I think I'm sure this, this was, was in planned, place the whole time. Yeah, that's what I think too. It's probably planned all along. Terminator has had t- tie-in because of the Dark Fate has had term- tie-ins with tons of things. You know, they had the Mortal Kombat tie-in. They had uh, 
a couple other things. Um, there was another game they were that Terminator was showing up in, uh, Gears of War, uh, Gears 5. Um, Terminator is just everywhere right now. Terminator, Terminator wants uh, license money, and it wants it now. Bring it in. So, so that's my next question. Are you sick of the Terminator and the Predator? No. I mean, no. Not, not in terms of... Uh, Appear, having them appear in things like this. Because they appear I'm, in everything. I'm sick of the movies because they've been terrible since the yeah. 90s. I mean... But you're not sick of these crossovers with these really. two properties in particular? Aliens, another one? Not really. I mean, because here's the thing. Like, generally, I obviously haven't played this yet, but I thought the people... You know, I don't know who's making this, but like, I thought the Predator stuff for, uh, for Wildlands, whoever made that gets what Predator is way better than anyone who's made a Predator movie in the last 20 years. Like, yeah. it's, you know, I or longer, frankly. Um, and one of the people who made a Predator movie was a guy who wrote the first one. So, right. like, it didn't it didn't work then either. But, like, uh, Olivia Munn tried, but it didn't work. <laughs> that movie is bad. It really was. But so is Predators, and so is Predator 2. Yeah. And so is Alien vs. Predator, and so is Alien vs. Predator Requiem. And so uh, and so are a lot of the Terminator so films, a lot of the game. let's be honest. Oh, every, every, there's two good Terminator films, and that's the end of it. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't, don't get me started. Like, you, you, there should never have been a Terminator past two. There should never should have been an Alien past Aliens. There never should have been a Robocop past one. There never should have, there never <laughs> should have been... A uh, uh, there should have pre- been a predator past one. Those are the four big '80s, you know, sci-fi that keep coming back in games, and you're not sick bi- of yeah. any of these co- constantly coming back in these games. Not really. Also, because like I don't have to play them if I don't want to. Is there any that you are sick of? Is there any crossover that you're like, okay, I'm over that? Um, not really. I mean, you have to remind me of a few. I don't feel I don't feel that happens that often. At least not in the stuff I play. Um. Fighting games usually are the fighting games. Spot I think are fine, kind of stuff. Like, and that's perfect. That's yeah, where they should. That's where it go. really works. Yeah, like you can put almost anyone in a fighting game. I mean, I think the Star Wars characters worked fine in Soul Calibur Four. Like it was, you know. Yeah. Do you think though that look, that'd be fun if Darth Vader showed up in Breakpoint? Do you just, think those? Like, <laughs> like that why not? <laughs> why not? Like, I mean, if you're gonna have the freaking yeah. Terminator, why not Darth Vader? Like, I don't know. To me. I think it reeks of desperation to me. Look, some games it works okay because maybe they're arcadey and they're a little tongue-in-cheek to begin with. But look, if you're a company that has spent, in a lot of cases, hundreds of millions of dollars to an est- to establish a brand as the brand, what it is, I-, I don't know. To me, Tom Clancy and the Terminator, it doesn't add up. Like, it doesn't mix. Like it's you not- have, I think you have a very weird purity thing going on with the Tom Clancy brand that does not exist. Like they don't care. Like I mean, they're making. A I think they game. used to. I think since they uh, they I took over Tom, the license, you've seen it all. I change. think Tom Clancy's when Tom, when Red. I think what was it Red Storm? Yeah. Was it Red Storm did? But like you know, it's. I think ever Tom, since Tom they Clancy, bought the license, Tom Clancy's outright. is not the Bible. Like you can fuck with it as much as you want. As from you know, you want to put that. In. I mean, you got a fun little like you know co op shooting game. You want to put the Terminator in there. Okay. I, look, I'm not even talking about Tom Clancy. I'm talking about like Ghost Recon or Rainbow Six. Mm-hmm. It's like. When you build a brand, people, consumers have expectations of what those brands are. And then they buy them based upon those expectations. Yeah, well, the Predator thing was very popular. So now they're doing a Terminator one. Like, yeah. I'd rather they did another Predator one because that was also fun. But I understand they don't want to repeat themselves. When Terminator had a new movie come out, they thought maybe that would inexplicably be a hit. But it wasn't. So what are you going to do? I mean, I don't know. It just – I think they've run – to me, they've run out of ways to incorporate a lot of this IP – creatively or intelligently into new products. Well, you're going to lose your mind when the Forza Horizon RoboCop DLC shows up. <laughs> that, that is interesting. 
I mean, they did. There's, you know, that I would be like, I would check that well, out. Look at the Lego thing. Look at the yeah. Hot Wheels thing. Like, you know, the, you can mess with it. Like, do I want Hot Wheels tracks in the Forza, main Forza Horizon game? No, but for the DLC, you want to screw around? Awesome. I yeah. love it. I love going crazy with it. That's also what gave us like stuff like Far Cry Blood Dragon and um, and Primal and like, so, you know, like go nuts. Like the, the main game's out. The main game's done. I don't know if I'll go Breakpoint. Yeah, done. I don't know if I would either. But you know what I'm trying to say? It's yeah, like, yeah. It's like if yeah. You know, Make the you know you got to get people to come back to this thing. You got it's the game they've already played. This game came out almost a year ago. At some sometimes, and you want to get people excited about this thing. So one of the ways to do that is to show them something that they recognize and might want to play. Um, especially in the wake of that ter- terrible Terminator game that came out in December. Like yep. I definitely would rather play this than that. So yeah, they got me. Can you think of uh, any IP that you would like to see crossover that hasn't? I mean, I would like to see the Transformers show up in just about anything. Yeah. Um, it's kind of surprising that it hasn't happened that way. Yeah. I mean, you may know more about, like, the licensing issues or something, but... I think they're just more careful with it, uh, also because some of the, you know, Universal, I think, controls a fair amount of that because of the... Uh, or Paramount because of the um, Michael Bay movies. So, like, the license is probably tied up in various things. Um there's also the element of, like, yes, the Transformers are a household name now, but they're mostly a household name because of the Bay movies. So if you want to, like, license something to appear, your people are going to want the popular thing, which is generally considered to be the Bay movies. But the actual fan base of the, the Transformers generally prefers the old, like, G1 stuff. So you have to decide which one to do, and that's a big conversation. And it's probably easier just to put the Terminator in Breakpoint. Now, here's, um, a, here's a question. I, I would love Forza Horizon to have Transformers in it. That would be great. I'd, I'd play that. This. Would be I, awesome. I, I would buy. I actually I do that already. When I go through the livery, when I buy a new uh, car in Forza, I will go through and find if it's a car that has been a transformer. I will go through the user may livery until I find someone who did that car up as that transformer because uh, they always have. Someone right. always does it. Yep. And I that's what I make all my all my cars is transformers. Now I do want to test your theory a little bit to see how far it can go before you're like, okay, that's where also, I that's I would, where I draw the line. I would love to see the Ghostbusters show up in like Fatal Frame or something like that. That's kind of what I was to gonna ask. I'm like So how would you feel if The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild Two had DLC with Hori- from Horizon Zero Dawn? Um, I mean, like, that would be a hard mesh, but that'd be interesting. But I mean, I mean, like he can use like her stick or, or her just bow for or whatever reason, that. she's in the game. Like she shows up in Hyrule and there she is and they go on an adventure yeah, together. They got to fight a robot or whatever. A robot. Uh, I don't got bog bog. I mean, like, honestly, I don't, I don't know the name of Zelda. Honestly, shit. I actually picked two pretty good games because their yeah. worlds do look kind of similar. You could make that work. Right. But I, I was trying to find two extremes. Yeah. Do you draw the line there? Or are you OK with that? I, I don't care. You like wouldn't it's, care. It's it's DLC. It's it's optional. It's it's almost it's almost an imaginary. It's like you know maybe it's because I grew up reading comic books, but it's just like. So once the credits roll in the base game, all bets are off for pretty you. Much basically. okay. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean I'm automatically I'm automatically gonna play it. Like I don't want I don't want Hot Wheels Zelda. Like, but you wouldn't be although, against it or be offended by it. No, do whatever you want. I don't have to buy it. This bothered me. <laughs> I did. The Terminator and Breakpoint, I, it makes no Breakpoint, sense to me well, whatsoever. Breakpoint's been disappointing you for a while now. It has. So. That's a good point. <laughs> but this bothered me. This like, is like what like sent me like, over I the edge. I feel like you're, you're in a real, like, like Breakpoint, why you got to keep hurting me kind of place. Here. This is what sent me over the edge, though. The Terminator DLC. Because my knee-jerk reaction was like, Really? This is coming out, and the base game is still a piece yeah. of junk. Like, I mean, there's been weird. Th- I mean, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't played it in forever. Maybe it's not a piece of junk anymore. But like, and uh, been- all reports suggest that it is. Probably. I mean, <laughs> what? What? It's like what? Like what about when like uh, you're a Tony Hawk fan? What about when like 
like Spider-Man showed up in Tony Hawk or like Wolverine or whoever. You know, was, wasn't that like they put some Marvel characters in there at one point? Yeah. And Solid Snake. Yeah. Solid Snake at a I mean, I thought it was weird. It was I, weird. Didn't, I didn't think it made sense. I didn't think it worked. I, but I'm guessing those people, those characters were probably the most played characters mm-hmm. in the game other than Tony Hawk. I mean, it is weird. I mean, the Horizon characters are in Death Stranding. Um, yeah. As holograms, but they're there. And like you yeah. get, and it's in, actually, I thought that was interesting because you got to see what, you know, Kojima's, you know, high, you know, they, they made a version of Aloy in a hologram, but they made a version of Aloy that looks as good as the Death Stranding characters. Yeah, and I was like, true. oh, I guess that's what Horizon Zero Dawn 2 is going to look yeah, like. Yeah, you finally you got to see what yeah. Aloy is going to look like probably in the sequel. Yeah. Look, I'm not saying all crossovers are bad. I just think it's starting to get freaking ridiculous at this point. With, with a certain handful of mm-hmm. these IPs that just keep getting regurgitated over and over again. I mean, the Terminator thing, I think the Terminator property has felt desperate for a long time. Like, not just with the game crossover, just like, they keep making Even these the terrible movies. Even the films are awful, yeah. And they just don't know what to do with it, and like, in the end, you know, that, to the point of bribing James Cameron to say that this new one is any good, like, it's just, he knows that wasn't good. Um, you know, I was tempted to see it because of Linda Hamilton, because I think she's great, but like, I didn't in the I didn't end because I'm just like no. I, <laughs> I just that's a movie that you I'm like, I can I can wait for HBO. Yeah. Like I'm not I don't have to go see that movie. But it's just it's just fun. Yeah, you know, I, I don't mind. I don't mind when you know some things make more sense than other in terms of crossover. But if, like sometimes the wackier you get, the better you get. You know, like if you want to you know put uh, Jurassic Park in Dino Crisis Four, like that makes a lot of sense, right? right? Yeah, that, that makes um, sense. So. But also if you want to put Jurassic Park in I don't know. Death Stranding, that would at least be more interesting than what I'm doing in Death Stranding by default. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's a lot of room to play with that as long as you're not making it part of the main story and main main game. Like I think DLC is all bets are off for the most part. I prefer when expansions and DLC like play a little bit. Okay, all right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Kotor, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, probably. One of the most beloved action RPGs ever released. Yeah. Um, it has a huge fan base for a reason. It was announced this week, or not announced, it, it leaked, rumors are swirling, that EA is creating a remake of KOTOR. You, you recall I said that I think there's another Star Wars game? Did you know about this game already? I did not. You didn't? I suspected, but yeah. I did is not. Is this a game you thought? I thought they might be messing with this because the the it's the, canon. the new Star Wars canon has been flirting with KOTOR for a couple of years now. Yeah. And uh, the, um, so, okay, Rise of Skywalker was terrible, but um, I did go and pick up the visual dictionary for it because the visual dictionary has a bunch of backstory that wasn't in the movie on a bunch of characters and items and things like that. And one of the things that it talked about, and one of the reasons I picked it up was it talks about the Sith Troopers, which are the red storm troopers that you saw in the previews yep. and stuff. So each of those, the legions of Sith troopers, is named after an ancient Sith lord. The third legion is the Revan, is the Revan legion, which means Kotor's back in canon, motherfuckers. Uh, like, they said that though. They announced it that they were trying to bring it back. They are trying to bring it back, but that's the they've, they've referenced it. Rebels had a thing there. where they they mentioned uh, the Mandalorian wars. The Mandalorian wars with the Jedi are mentioned in the final episode of the Mandalorian. Very, very vaguely, but that's what they're talking about. Is like when when the Mandalorian when the Mandalorians fought uh, ancient these ancient sorcerers. Like that's what they're talking about. Is the 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 setup, the war that happens before Kotor. Like that's what they're talking about. So they're they're definitely flirting around with it. Hell, as far back as 2015, I was at Bioware doing 
old, you know, SWOTOR stuff for a show and asked about how come they haven't shut you down? Because, you know, that, <laughs> that's, that was, the, SWOTOR is the last vestige of the old pre-Disney era. You know, they're, they're, they haven't shut them down. They're actually thriving. They're doing very well. And they're still going and still going. But they are all technically not canon anymore. And that's the only non-canon thing other than reprints of the Legends comics and materials that Disney's being, allowed to continue to happen. Yeah. And I'm like, what's the deal? And they're like... We think they like us. They just don't know what to do with us yet. But they're just sort of saying, "Hold on." Uh huh. And so I, you know, I didn't know it would take five years, but like, <laughs> it does not surprise. Also, it doesn't surprise me because a Kotor is great. Like that era has been handled very well in the old the old EU, and uh, the games I think have held up for the most part. I played Kotor one again last year, and it's still great. Um, Kotor two is even better if you use the, the restoration patch to get the ending to work properly. One thing um, I would say though about Kotor, I play, I went back and just played it briefly, like not that long ago, and the the voice acting. Yeah, it was another time for the Republic. Yeah, <laughs> and um, it was a lot of the same voice act- actors. I would feel free, feel okay using now. It's just you'd They're have to better direct. Now. You have to di- well, also you'd have to direct them differently because yeah. you you. You can make things work better. It's not as stilted anymore. Yeah. You can have your main character talk. You know, like. Yeah. And uh, I also remember that this codified how like the kind of the 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 Bioware formula for 3D action RPGs that then translated directly into what Mass Effect was. Yep. Like you don't get Mass Effect without. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, this was the stepping stone to Mass Effect. Yeah. Absolutely. Now I think you're right in that you can't just remaster this. No. You have to remake this game. Well, they well they are. Let me give you the yeah. details from the leak. So. Most of the information that's been released so far is that it's not just going to be a remake of the first game. It's mm-hmm. actually going to combine elements of both games. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will be completely built from the ground up. It'll be modernized with new visuals. It'll be modernized for gameplay, control scheme, camera angle, all that kind of stuff. So it is going to be yeah. essentially a brand new project. Which it needs to be. It does need to be. Um, I Look, I played this back when it came out. I loved it. I did find it a little hard to stick with it when yeah. I went back to Maybe playing. a little more variety in the uh, alien language. Yeah. It's like, no, no, okay, you've said that three fucking shots in a row, and I know it doesn't mean all that shit that was in the, in the subtitles. Do you think... Uh, Shut up. Do you think stop. the, the industry is ready for a game like this? Do you think it will accept it? I don't give a shit. I'm ready for well, it. Well, I know that. <laughs> I know that. That's a given. I think Fallen Order proves that people are hungry for Star Wars content yeah. that isn't Battlefront. Yep. So, yeah. I think whatever you want to give them, people will eat it. I mean, I think if you gave... Mandalorian proves... Like, any story-driven Star Wars content yeah. is going to do great. Mandalorian proves it. Look at yeah. it. I mean, look how people are crawling over each other to get Baby Yoda merchandise. I yeah, mean, it's true. Star Wars still has that power if it's not made by hacks. Yeah, that's been the problem. (laughs) I don't know any other way to say it. Like, I hated Rise of Skywalker, but, like, at the same time, I was loving The Mandalorian, and I loved Fallen Order with all its flaws and and rough edges. And I still love KOTOR. Like, it's, you know, Star Wars is still great. You just got to, like, find it it and stop letting the guy who wrote Batman vs. Superman write it. Like, that's the problem. Now, as far as What's Chris Avalon doing? Get Chris Avalon on the phone. Yeah. Maybe that's why Dying Light 2 got delayed. He had to do this. Now, as far as pulling content from both of the games, how do you think they should handle that? And which game do you think should get more of uh, an emphasis? Well, I mean, I don't know what that really means. Um, I think maybe think about it in the context of canon. 
Like important yeah. moments that they're going to need to make sure they include in this remake. Well, the thing is that the entire premise of two is based on the outcome of one. So yeah. like when you say you're taking both things from both, what that says to me is you are just doing both games in one package. Yeah. Um, because the Jedi Exiles like situation in KOTOR 2 is completely a direct result of what the first char- the character in the first KOTOR does. Like, so unless you're going to combine those characters together, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense, um, I think you just have to tell the individual stories uh, one right after the other. I mean, I guess you could do them more parallel. Um, but again, part of the part of KOTOR 2's whole thing is you're sort of inheriting the Ebon Hawk and all the companions, some of the companions from the first game, and putting a new spin on them and sort of taking this interesting idea of the Force. Like the KOTOR 2 and Kreia's uh, kind of lectures on what the Force is and is not uh, are some of the most interesting, like, lore discussions in the entire Star Wars canon or non-canon uh, of all time. Um, like you, So, like, my, my only idea there would be, unless they're talking about just doing a remake of both games back-to-back and maybe making kind of one semi-cohesive package, uh, the only thing I could think is that they're going to take more of the tone and sort of subversive viewpoints of what the Force and the Jedi and the Sith can be and the Grey Jedi idea, which was introduced by this for the most yeah. part. Yeah, yeah, um, You're going to take that and incorporate more of it into the KOTOR 1 story because that mostly comes from 2. That comes from Avalon and Obsidian being let loose on this property. And KOTOR 1 uh, is more of an evolution of sort of what we'd seen the the Force and the Jedi and the Sith revealed to be in the prequels uh, written by writers, for once, instead of, <laughs> instead of the prequels. Um, but you play, I mean, this came out in 2003, and you play it, and you're like, it is. it feels like old Star Wars, but it's incorporating the new canon ideas that came out of episodes one and two. Yeah. Um, but it's incorporating them in a way that makes it all kind of flow properly. And then KOTOR 2 is Chris Avalon basically deconstructing the entire Star Wars mythos and how the Force works and what that's about um, in the context of a conflict between the Sith and the Jedi. And, it, and, that, and, and in the course of that conflict, the game doesn't really tell you which side you're on until halfway through the game. Yeah. And um, Darth, Cre- Darth Cre- uh, Treya and or Kreia is uh, one of the greatest Star Wars characters ever made. Um, because of that, because she has viewpoints on the Force that no one ever espoused before or sense in some places. And I will say, I find it interesting if someone loves KOTOR 2 and hates The Last Jedi, because The Last Jedi takes a whole lot of ideas from KOTOR 2. Yeah. Um, the idea that this, that that what Luke says in The Last Jedi, that if uh, the idea that, that if the Jedi die, the Force dies is vanity... That's Darth Kreia, right? Th- I, that's Kreia right there. Like, the idea that the, the Jedi own the Force, the idea that the Sith own the Force, that the Force is something that works as a dualism is nonsense because it's more than that, and that's great. Like, that's, that, that's a really cool idea that only KOTOR 2 really delved into much. The other thing I would say, too, about... You take that stuff and make it more part of kind of the whole tapestry yeah. as you remake the first game, and I think that, that might be what they're talking about. Because I don't want to let myself hope that they're going to make both games because that would be too, that'd be too awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's not what the rumor is suggesting. The yeah. rumor is suggesting is combining the two into one product. And one thing I would say for that, that shines positively for the prospects for a KOTOR in 2021 or 2022, whenever it comes, is The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Because 
I kind of had this preconceived notion in my head that anything Star Wars related that doesn't include Luke and Leia and Han and Chewbacca and all those characters that everybody loves isn't doomed to failure, but probably isn't going to be as successful. Oh, no. as, but no, no, that's not how it works at that's all. That's exactly why Lucasfilm had to go back to the drawing board after these movies, because they thought that too. And they thought that you had to put things that people recognized in there. You had to put like, you know, even when you made Rogue One, you had to have Vader show up and do and do the even you had, Mandalorian. You had to have, like a lot of people, like the pro, the 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 promotion for it makes it look like it's a Boba Fett right. show. But the Mandalorian is so much better than anything Boba Fett has ever done in right, anything right, ever. Yeah, that well, he's like, always been a big character. Like he's well, never also been the, a big part of it. No, of course not. He just looked cool. Yeah. and he was the, the thing that people forget about Boba Fett is that. He was the first Empire Strikes Back action figure you could get because he was the mail-away promotion. He was also awesome. He, he was, like, the one everybody well, he looks wanted. Awesome. Yeah. He, he looks cool, but he doesn't do anything in no, the movies. He, like... he stands around. He follows Han. He complains to Vader. He misses Luke with, with his shots. He flies away, and then he hangs out at Jabba's palace for a year, and then he closes the distance between a himself and a melee fighter with an invincible melee weapon and then falls in a pit and screams. Yeah. That's it. That's all he <laughs> yeah, does. You're right. Like Boba Fett now, is he one was of like a mythological he is, yeah, but he people and loved him. At least my the Mandalorian is like here's here's a Mandalorian doing things that you think Boba Fett should do um, and actually doing it. And uh, the best thing about the Mandalorian in terms of like kind of incorporating older things and like kind of nostalgic stuff is it does it and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like at the, there's a there's a scene in Mandalorian where a bunch of stormtroopers roll up in a troop transport, and the troop transport is a um, it's based on an old toy from the from back in the day because Kenner kept running out of vehicles to make because there weren't that many vehicles in the movie so they would just make up new vehicles to sell in the mo- years between movies because like, I remember the stupid. troop transport and that, yeah it was like yeah. basically you had a bunch of stormtroopers in buckets on yeah, the side I of the stupid them. transport yeah. and I had that and I thought it was dumb but like I had a lot of tra- I had stormtroopers to get places yeah. so yeah. and then that thing rolls up in that fucking yeah. scene and I'm just like that's amazing <laughs> but if you don't know what that is that scene doesn't lose anything because yeah, right. you don't, you don't need yeah. to, no one is going to look at that scene like what is that? Why do I not know that? What, what is? What's the point? You might say it if you're sitting next to me, and I'm like, Whoa! you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah I mean, even going back to like the launch of the N64 with Shadows of the Empire, that game mm-hmm. sold like crazy. Yeah. It also it was just Star Wars. Everyone knew it didn't have all, and that was even back then when people were really tied to these characters. So if it could work back then, it could absolutely work today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think people are more accepting if they discover a universe that they like. People are much more apt today than they were 20 years ago to just dive into anything related to that universe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's been kind of a, a, a seismic shift in pop culture, sort of. Yep. Also, I, I did not when I play, replayed KOTOR 1. KOTOR 1 had one of my favorite lines in the history of video games, and I didn't know how I was going to feel about it hearing it again after like 15 years, but it's still great. It's And it's... One of the side quest guys gets like basically betrayed, and his droids like are reprogrammed to kill him, like float around him in a circle and kill him. When you walk up, you find him in he's on Tatooine. You, I think you, you walk up close enough, and it triggers the cutscene for him to ask you for help. And he goes, uh, "Hey there, could you help? I seem to be uh, doomed." <laughs> and <laughs> that's I'm like, great. "God, that's just every <laughs> RPG side quest character in the history of video games, right there." It's like I just I just yeah. loved how it just lays that out. Yeah, the really voice good. acting will definitely need to be redone yes. for this game. Uh, there is the writing's fine. It's it almost sounds like amateurs recorded some of the VO. Also, for well, that. part of it is also because recording equipment's better now. You're right. Like sound quality, you like, can you, actually you can hear how better, hollow the voice, and you work. can fit better sound files yeah. on these things. Yeah, you know, like 
You got a big hard drive. You got Blu-rays. They were slapping those things on DVDs back in the day. Yep, they had to compress. And there's a lot of dialogue in that game. Absolutely. You didn't install anything back then. Yep. So there you go. KOTOR and KOTOR 2 reportedly coming as one product. Uh, there's no release date announced yet. There's no platforms announced no. yet. Nothing's been officially announced at all. So I, but I still say something Star Wars is coming this fall, and yep. uh, and we don't know what it is yet. might be this. might be something else. Um, but I think EA is going to prioritize getting Star Wars content in the pipeline, especially after what Fallen Order did. Yep. So yeah. I just hope they don't rush something stupid up there and it's all terrible. Uh, I, I don't think that they'll allow that to happen. Yeah, at I, this point, I, I, I think I think they, it learned some hard yeah, lessons. Yeah, I think they know. <laughs> yeah, like like I'm very happy with Fallen Order, but my eyes is still yeah. still on you. <laughs> yeah, you're not off the hook yet. Yeah, not yet. Okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next about the coronavirus. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, the plague. I'm, so I'm walking up to the building today for the show, and uh, I look ahead, and here comes somebody walking down the sidewalk with the mask mm-hmm. on. Um, I was just in Little Tokyo a few days ago having dinner, which is a little ethnic enclave near my apartment that's all Japan. All Japanese restaurants. You know where it is on Saltel. Oh, that's a little Osaka. Well, Little Tokyo is like north of downtown. That's Little Japan. Anyway, there's like three Asian areas. Yeah, well, the Sautel area has become sort of like, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a restaurant mecca, basically. Yeah. It's just food, the food on Sautel. But they also sell, amazing. like, they have Japanese yeah, shops like in. They have, like, giant robots. Generally, uh, generally, I have heard that, generally, I've heard that called Little, Os- Little Osaka. I mean, I live there, and people call it Little Tokyo in my neighborhood. Well, anyway. Little Tokyo is already north of downtown. Like, whoa. Oh, again, that's two weeks again. in a row. <laughs> Matt just filled his water. I, I You're guess. on a run. Yeah, so because little because I used to call Little Tokyo the the place north of uh, where where the Onizuka yeah. Memorial is and all that stuff. I used to call that Japan Town because that's what the Japanese enclave was in San Francisco was yeah. Japan Town, and everyone here was like, "What the fuck? What's Japan? Like, that, what, yeah. What's that?" I'm like, "That's what they call it in San Francisco." They're like, "No, it's Little Tokyo here." I'm like, "Oh, okay." I mean, I'm just telling you what people call it in our neighborhood. Um, yeah. I mean, they may be wrong, but that's what they call it. And anyway, we were there eating, and I noticed that almost everyone had the medical masks on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, like it is an Asian culture thing. I mean, if you go to Japan, you see thousands of people walking around with them on. They wear them whenever they get sick. Um, I believe all the Asians in L.A. right now are wearing them to try to not get sick from the coronavirus. Um, First of all, the the coronavirus, I don't know if you noticed yesterday, but like the stock market crashed because of the coronavirus. Yeah. And then today, everybody... Because they were worried they were going to close the airports. Yeah. And then today, everyone realized how stupid it was, and all the stocks went right back up to where they were, literally, in 24 hours. They went down, and they went right back up. It's almost like they're imaginary. Yeah, Mm. (laughs) exactly. Don't (laughs) Don't say that too loud, Matt. (laughs) Don't think about it too long. You might realize what money is. Exactly. It's pretty crazy to think about. I'm right there. I get it. Like I I see what you're trying to say. Um, But I... Look, if you actually do any research on this virus, it's not that dangerous. It's like a cold. No. It's a bad cold. Yeah, unless you're old or really young, old or, really young or you have, have a, a compromised, compromised immune, immune system. system. But for everybody the else. Problem, the problem is the, contagi- the contagiousness. It's very easily spread. It, yeah. it, um, you're contagious all through incubation, which is possibly up to 11 days. And anything. I mean, usually it's like being coughed on or like you know, like saliva. Like co- If someone coughs and their spit gets in your nose and there's a anything like like if someone wipes their eye and puts their hand down like you can get it from touching that later it's like it's very contagious it's something like three what the the contagion rating is something like 3.5 
which is very high for a virus. Yeah, it's very easy. Um, to it was very high for a uh, for a, um, a like a flu type virus like this. Uh, to be to, for comparison, measles is thirteen. Right. So like, it's not like the most contagious thing anyone's ever seen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. It, I mean, obviously, I don't want it. Yeah. Um, well, nobody wants like, it, but it's not deadly for probably not the vast for majority people. of people. Yeah. And but there's this hysteria going on where people are like worried that the world's going to end. And as an extension of that, I see people in chat, they're freaking out because they think we're really going to talk about the coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> we just we just mentioned that to set up the real topic, which is the hysteria is so insane that it is spilled over into games. And there is this game called Plague Incorporated that in the last week and a half has had a gigantic sales mm-hmm. spike. So much so that the game's developer had to issue a statement a couple days ago telling people that this is all BS. Yeah, we didn't this, model anything no, accurately this game, on this. No, this is game. Don't play this game. Do not to... buy a plane ticket to Madagascar. You will not be safer there. <laughs> How crazy is that? Like, but, it's, but look, you start seeing like, oh, they've shut down the, the airports or the train station in China, mm-hmm. and people just start freaking out. To the point where they started buying a video game about plagues. Yep. I mean, good for them. It's and I'm a, sure good, they it's a it, good game. It is a good game. And I'm sure they, they thought they were doing it to, like, learn more or feel mm. better. This game is just going to make them oh, feel yeah, way terrifying. worse. Like, just look at this shot yeah, right I mean, here. Your, I mean, the goal is to kill everyone. It really is. I mean, yeah. The goal of the game is to create What pandemics. you should be playing is Pandemic. Right. In that, you're supposed to cure it. Right. In this one, you're trying to wipe out humanity. Yeah. Which is odd, like, that people would jump on this. And you and you never can, because Madagascar closes the borders if someone sneezes near them. <laughs> it's ridiculous. This is crazy, though. Like, I've never seen anything like this. I remember a long time ago, there was, like, SARS. There was the monkey pox. Yeah. And all of those were just kind of tertiary the avian sto- flu. Right. They weren't like that this is. Like this, for whatever reason, and I don't know if it's because we're in the modern age with social media and all that kind of stuff, and everyone in China can send photos of, like, people waiting in line at the hospital, and it freaks people yeah. out. I don't know. I mean, I think it's partially that. It's also partially just, like, the times we're in right now. It's like, okay, now what? Yeah. <laughs> now what terrible thing is going to happen? <laughs> uh, I had a conversation with my mom about terrible things happening. And she's like, I've never seen the world like this before, Shane. Like, all this bad stuff is happening and it's so never much... heard about it before. Exactly. I'm like, Mom, it's not that there's more bad stuff happening. It's that you find out about all of it now yep. because everyone has a camera and they upload it to social media. So every bad yeah. thing that happens now, you know about it. We, we see everything. There's a video of everything that happens except Bigfoot. Yeah, because <laughs> it doesn't exist. Yeah. How odd. <laughs> but it's... Porg's I, not cool, says Ewok. Look at... Clearly a detailed simulation of, a, of an outbreak in the real world. Uh, so how do you interpret the fact that people are going to a game that asks you to wipe out humanity as know. a response to a, a real I mean, plague? look, when I, heard, when I was, saw some of those the news stories about it, I thought about loading up Plague, Inc. Not because I thought I was going to learn anything. I was like, well... I'm kind of in the mood for that. I don't know. Like, as long as it's happening. Like, it's kind of funny how stuff like that puts you in the mood to yeah. consume. Well, it's just anything like that. I mean, like, if I, you know, if I watch, uh, you know, so if I watch an auto race thing, sometimes I want to play Forza. Like, you know, it's just like, it, it's a thing. Like, sometimes you, a gamer, it's kind of a gamer thing. It's like, you, we see something that's sort of the zeitgeist right now. We want to participate. I bet a lot of people loaded up NBA 2K <laughs> to play as Kobe. <laughs> 
also, I, don't, I don't mean that in a ghoulish way. I just mean like as, as kind of like a, a reminder or tribute sort of thing. They also should have come up with a different name because when I hear coronavirus, I'm like, oh, I want to drink that. Yeah, Corona, the Corona Beer Twitter accounts like actually did send a tweet out last yesterday that said, "Can you stop asking us about the virus? Because we didn't do it. Because we didn't do it. If you get it, just suck on lime, and I guess you're okay. That's probably the that's the cure, apparently. It just makes it a little smoother. Uh, I'll say this: like uh, the developers could have just sat back and collected the cash and not said anything. Yeah, I do admire them for like actually yeah, it's putting nice out a statement. Actually, yeah, it's nice we, they actually said like, "Hey, we're not we're here not going to help you." Out. Like, this is just a video game. You're not going to know any more or any less about the. Well, also because I think they know that like it's it's not an upper of a game. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's like. <laughs> Maybe they're afraid they're going to get sued if you're, or something. If you're buying this for hope, it's not going to give it to you. Yeah, especially when you just look at this screen for a little bit and you just see, like, how something spreads. Oh, yeah. All the interconnected. <laughs> and then you realize that, like, this isn't, like, remote. I mean, if you actually had a, a network of all the flights coming in and out, you'd oh lose your mind. Oh, my God. This is, like, one one billionth of yeah. the actual, like, transportation that's well, it's happening. Like, it's like they say. It's like, um, what is it? If you, you know, because, of, like, the rarity of, air, you know, airplane crashes or failures fatal accidents if you took a plane flight every day statistically it would take you 23,000 years to be in a, in a crash wow because that's how many, that's planes, how many planes fly are in every the sky. day it's crazy so yeah there's it's everywhere now like we're not you know if you're exposed to it you're exposed to it and you won't know for 10 days yeah so Good and luck. chances are it won't it won't affect no, you anyway. and, and they also don't know like it's it's a brand new virus they've never seen it before um, and people, they've said, like the experts, you know, they, they're still analyzing. They don't know. Like they're like, we don't know if like the people who have had severe symptoms or have died are unique or unusual. Like they're like tens of thousands of people could have had this and thought it was just a cold. And it just and went away. Never noticed. Yeah. And it just affects these people with compromised right. immune systems in a different yeah. way. Like we don't know. You know, because because most people that get like mildly sick with something like that don't go to the doctor, and no, certainly no, the doctor wouldn't analyze their their blood or whatever to find out what they have because they just say, "Oh, it's a cold or a flu or whatever." So we just don't know. Like it's you know, it's and, but this is how it works. You know, also if you are interested in this kind of thing, I would say look up um, the YouTube channel uh, CGP Gray, and look up his video on America Pox, which explains why when uh, uh, European uh, colonists and explorers arrived in the Americas, uh, their diseases infected and killed off millions of, uh, of the indigenous peoples, and the indigenous people over the Americas did not pass any deadly diseases back to us. Interesting. Um, Why is that? Very quickly. Uh, the main reason is because there was no livestock here. Oh. The deadly diseases happen because they jump from, from animals to us, and the reason that smallpox kills you is because the smallpox thinks it's in a cow. Oh. And what makes the cow a little bit sick makes us die. Huh. And it's a mistake. It's you know, it's, it's it, as he says in the video is the same reason that like a termite doesn't want to burn your house down because it lives in you, it lives there. The virus doesn't want to kill you because if you it die, it, it dies. Survive, yeah. But it doesn't know it's in a human, so that's what it does. Uh, and the way, only way that happens is, is constant proximity to livestock and other animals. And in the old days, you know, animals were everywhere in cities, and cities were just hives. Of bacteria, bacteria and <laughs> filth, and there was no sewage yeah. system, and it was very good at breeding plagues. And you know, same in China, right? And now. A lot of this stuff comes out of China adapts. because there's so much livestock, there's so much farming, there's so you know that's you're just exposed to those animals all the time, and you have you know it's very hard for these things to make a jump to humans. But if you're around them 
24-7 all the time for years and years, it's going to happen. Yeah. And <clears throat> the only domesticatable animal in the Americas was the llama in South America. And because you can't domesticate a buffalo. You can't domesticate deer. Like, it doesn't work that way. We, like the, the Eastern Hemisphere had way more useful animals mm-hmm. for human agriculture and domestication and that's how you get diseases that kill you and form plagues and that's why we didn't get an america pox as he says going back the other direction y'all learned something on game face today most informative gaming podcast (laughs) on the internet (laughs) damn right (laughs) but yeah look up cgp gray his channel's great and that video is great and and again props to the developers of this game they literally could have they could have stoked the flames of this and just had the money just rolling Mm -hmm. in they could have jumped on like a deal, like a coronavirus DLC pack right away, and like they probably wouldn't even have. They to did tweet make a much. fake news DLC, right? Thing, so. Yeah, so they add new things all the time. Yeah, I yeah. bet they will add a coronavirus. Eventually, thing, they right? will. Yeah. And I mean, they could have jumped on this very quickly and cashed in on it. Instead, they were actually good people. So yeah. props to them, and they deserve. And the, they've been making the sales. that. They've been making that game and supporting that game for years and years and, and years. And like you like, said, it is a great game. It is. Yeah, for, first and foremost, they've never stopped making that game better. So. Yep. Go check it out. Seem like <laughs> seem like good folks. Yeah. If you want to really freak out over the coronavirus, <laughs> go buy that game and play it. <laughs> All right. It's time for our last topic of episode 197. We're creeping very close to episode 200. Yeah. Uh, might be a date you might want to mark on your calendar. Just saying. Is that the 11th? Uh, the 14th or maybe? There's three more three more episodes from today. 14th so we have 98, is a 99, Friday. And, oh, so it would be the 11th. Yeah. Yep. It's coming up soon. Uh, our last topic, we're going to discuss the only game worth discussing that has really come out this entire year. Did that and come out? It, it's out today. Wow. Yeah, okay. it's, it's available today, other than Kakarot, which we talked about last mm-hmm. week, and you know how I feel about that. So, to me, this is kind of the first worthwhile game of 2020, and it's called Journey to the Savage Planet. Um, so, I got this code yesterday. Uh, I did not get to play a ton of it. I've played about three and a half mm. hours of it. Yeah, I don't. I haven't played that. I first off, it's only until it's only recently I stopped confusing it with Raiders of the Broken Planet. Yeah, which changed his name to Space Lord. But as you watch this footage, you'll start confusing it with other games. Okay, because <laughs> it looks like a bunch of other games, and it plays like a bunch of, and that's why the lower third says the Blender. Because this this game really does blend a bunch of different series and series and franchises into one. Um, it is available today. It just came out today. It's available for PC, PS4, Xbox One. Um, I believe there's a Switch version coming, but I don't think it came out today. I think it may be coming a little later. Um, the other thing I mentioned right before I start talking about the details of this game is it's only thirty dollars. So this is an indie game, um, but it is made by people who had came from major big budget studios mm-hmm. um and so and you can see that in this game for sure um the game looks great it doesn't look like an indie game but i think what i noticed that made it feel more like a big budget game than just the visuals is that the focus is on the right stuff like a lot of times i feel like indie games in general or just games that just don't have a big developmental budget they they worry too much about visuals and things that people see outwardly, and they don't worry as much about the systems and sort of the under the hood stuff. This game pl- definitely places an emphasis. Oh, scanning. Oh yeah, man. I, I knew. 
I'm like, oh, scanning comes in at about the 30-second mark in this B-roll. That's about the first point. Matt will chime in about yeah. this game. Uh, I'll, I'll just say you this. You had my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Oh, Matt, I'll just say this right now. Just go buy this. Mm. This is you will, love, you will love this game. I guarantee it. So <laughs> let me set up the plot a little bit. So you, you're, you play as a – at first you think you're like a human, um, and you crash land on this far-flung planet. And – you quickly find out that you didn't really crash land. What happened is the company that has floated the bill for your trip abroad, as it mm. were, decided to cut corners and did not fill your ship with enough gas to actually get where you were going. Not only that, the company does not expect you to return because they only gave you enough gas to get there mm-hmm. and not enough gas to get back. Yeah. So you land on this planet. You're supposed to be there for... To see if humanity can survive on the planet. But what it really is asking you is, can a corporation survive on this planet? So you're sent there by your company to go investigate. And you get all these detailed reports from people back home that are these, like, I wouldn't even call them corny. Like, a lot of them are legitimately funny FMV scenes. Uh, There's, like, the president of the company who you always check in with. Um, And he always has something funny to say. But there's... There are this game includes plenty of subtle stabs at corporate greed, uh, environmental destruction, and colonialism. In all honesty, which is was interesting when you were talking earlier about the settlers first coming mm-hmm. to North America, and you know how they colonized the U.S. This is about this. You're basically on this planet to try to figure out if humanity can move here, um, and to do that, you're asked to go out and complete a bunch of experiments. You want to find like the local creatures, the local fauna. What kind of resources, most importantly, are on the planet to see if mining would be a feasible idea? Um, so that's the setup of the game. You crash land, you get out of your plane, and you have a little AI assistant who is in your ear at all times. And she's she's good. Like, her voiceover work is good. Her writing's really snappy. The game in general is pretty funny, I have to say. It has this weird dichotomy of, okay, you're on this planet. There's all these creatures, but the creatures love you. Hmm. So when you scan something, it'll tell you, like, it's alignment, whether it, it's friendly or it's a foe. The boss characters are always enemies. But most of the creatures that are in this world are just there. Like, you walk around. They won't attack you. They'll come up to you and, like, try to become your friend. But the game forces you to kill them. In fact, like, one of the very first objectives, it gets you over the hump. Because you're walking around. You're like, oh, my God. These, and some of these creatures in this game are adorable. And they're all cooing, and they're coming up to you, trying to be your friend, and your AI's like, you need to kill it. You need to, you hmm. need the resources from that creature to, to complete your next step to craft this gear that will then do blah, blah, blah. So the first time you kill an enemy, like, you don't have a gun yet. And, like, you backhand slap, like, the, and, yeah. and it just goes flying. It, it, I don't know. It looks like a lot of other games, right? Yeah. And it, and it plays like a lot of other games, too. But I think the franchise, I, oh, so satisfying to kill the enemies. You can see they don't even, like, bother you. It's like you feel guilty a little bit playing this game, I guess, is, is the best way I could put it. Um, so crafting is a gigantic part of it. You're always collecting resources. Uh, you use the resources to upgrade your gun to give it more power. You also eventually end up crafting, like, a jump jet, which gives you a double jump. You end up crafting a, a hook shot, like a grapple hook that you can use to get to certain areas. And like Metroid, I mean, 
this game mostly is like Metroid. If I had to compare it to one franchise, Metroid Prime in particular. You have the grapple hook. Um, the shooting is there, but it's not like the crux of the game in general. Uh, most of the enemies you don't even have to kill. They'll just leave you alone if you walk around, and you generally have to take them down if you need resources to craft something. But grapple hook, uh, the scanning. You saw the first-person view there with the gook over the visor. It's very much Metroid Prime, and it's also like its design is like Metroid Prime in that when you first start playing, you'll find the places where you can use the hook shot. You'll find the places where you need the double jump to jump across a wide gap, and you just can't do it yet. Um, and then that pushes you in the direction you do need to go to get the stuff that you do need to get so that you can then um, craft the, the, the grapple hook and the, the jump boots. Eat. That seems like a good idea. That's how you level up. Mm. So you find those orange blobs in the world, and you eat one, and you instantly level up. <clears throat> Leveling in this game isn't all that important. You do gain stats, and there are, there are skill trees where you can go in, and you can tweak it and kind of customize it to how you want it to be, but it doesn't really matter all that much. Combat in this is not the focus. It's really platforming, to be perfectly honest with you. Again, another part of the game that makes it very much like Metroid Prime. Uh, unlike the combat with the guns... The platforming is absolutely mandatory because you have to do it to make headway to get to the next area of the game. Um, it's really bothering me that you're not scanning these creatures. Uh, <laughs> your OCD is kicking in. <laughs> well, after a while, like that's one thing I will say. The enemies in this game are kind of repetitive. Mm -hmm. Like You end up seeing the same creatures over and over and over again. And I'm only about three and a half, four hours in. But I've already got tired of like these green creatures. Like they, when I first fought them, I thought they were a boss, and then within like ten minutes, I was like, "Oh, they're not a boss. They're just rank and file enemies." Unfortunately. Um, so anyway, you're trapped on this planet. You have no gas to get back, but very quickly you do realize that you have the ability to make the fuel to get home. And not only that, you can go home, but you don't want to go home. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil anything. The game does let you craft the fuel, put it in the ship, and go back, but you don't want to. I know now I told you that you don't want to. You're all going to do it anyway. But it, I'll just say this. Even if you're like, oh, I want to know what happens, the payoff isn't worth it, and just don't do it. Hmm. <laughs> Watch it on YouTube instead. That's my recommendation. Um, the writing is, is good. The voice acting is good. Um, the propaganda videos that they produced are really, really funny. Uh, the the humor can be a little juvenile. There's a lot of fart jokes in this. I mean, so much so that I don't even know if you notice this or not. They put out, like, a developer doc for this game that was all about alien anuses. It was like... The, it was like... <laughs> It was right. Journey to the Savage Planet, butthole developer talk. I think I, that's I saw exactly. that. I, I, I thought it was a typo. No. I mean, the, fart, it, the humor is juvenile, for sure. Mm -hmm. Like, some of the writing's pretty snappy, but some of it looks like it's targeted at, like, 12 to, like, 15-year-olds. It still can be pretty humorous most of the time. Uh, the game is co-op. You can play it with one other person. I don't know what the advantage it would be of doing that. Um, there's not a lot of chances in the game where you you have to, like put a like a weight on a plate while you go over somewhere else and flip a switch. Like there's nothing in the game that organically looks like it's made for co-op. Now, I guess I could see if you're trying to gather a bunch of resources in a short period of time, you could both kind of break up or split up and go and gather the resources separately. Um, but overall, unless you're looking for someone to like help you with some of the puzzles and they're not that that tough either. 
Uh, co-op doesn't add much to it other than making sure that your buddy has something to do while you're playing a video game. Mm. Um, so don't buy it on the idea that, oh, this is a great co-op game, and the entire thing is built around me playing with a friend or working with a friend. That's not how it goes. Um, crafting is a huge part of this game. And not only do you have to craft things, you, in fact, are crafted. So when you first start the game, and maybe this is a little bit of a spoiler. I'm sorry if it is. Um, when you first start the game, at least I thought I was just a human who had flown in a spaceship to this other planet. As it turns out, the first time you die, you find out that you, in fact, are not a human being. That you are just a clone that is that was made in the 3D printer. <laughs> and you use the 3D printer, obviously, to craft all the upgrades and all the new weapons and gadgets that you get. Uh, but it also recrafts you when you die. So when you die, you kind of dissolve. The screen kind of dissolves, and then you wake up, and you're back in your ship. Now, what that means is you do have to backtrack after you die and get back to where you were. And when you do get back to that spot, there's like a loot box sitting there. So you have to go there to recollect your stuff. Hmm. At first, it can be pretty annoying to have to like trek your way all the way back to wherever you died. But eventually, you start opening up these. Uh, these warp portals that'll warp you from like different parts of the level back into the ship and things start to get a lot easier. So I said earlier that combat isn't a big part of it, but you do need to use the creatures and right. What you're seeing right now is a good example of how that works. So you don't necessarily have to kill these guys just to kill them, but they come in awful handy for puzzle solving. Mm. And that's kind of where the creatures come into play. They're not necessarily enemies that you need to fell, but they do have attributes that can help you solve puzzles to gain access to new areas or new parts of the map. Um, what else? Uh, again, platforming is a really big deal in this game. If you do not like first-person platforming, do not buy this game. You're going to have to do a ton of it. It is handled pretty well, though. The mechanics feel good for the, the jumping and the running. The shooting, not so much. It's one of those games where you pull the trigger and you don't feel much. But it is offset a little bit by the exploding enemies, which I will say is very gratifying when you shoot. Hmm. Pretty much every enemy in this game explodes into, like, a, a big cloud of, like, goo in some way, shape, or form. And, like, No Man's Sky, a big part of this game, too, is just, like, checking stuff out. Like, right now. Like, I'm like, wait a minute, that thing moved a little. Oh, my gosh. And you, hmm. So there's a lot of cool stuff like that to discover. And scanning does come into play as far as, like, telling you about creatures and giving you insight into what they do. Uh, like, for instance, that puzzle that we showed where I threw the enemies into that grinder and opened it. Like, the, re the only way I figured that out was I had scanned that enemy and it said can be used to open, like, certain locks or whatever. So there is a purpose to scanning but I think, Matt, ultimately, you will may end up being disappointed in the payoff for it. Um, there's not a lot. It's kind of just this thing that you do to kind of just create logs and kind of get a better understanding of the planet and kind of the ecosystem there. Uh, as I said earlier, the enemies do get repetitive. It's a short game from what I can tell. Um, there are four main areas in the game. I've been playing it for three about three and a half, four hours, and I'm already basically through the second area. So based upon what the game has presented to me, I'm halfway through the game and I'm at like four hours. So I'm guessing it comes in around 10. There's a ton of stuff to collect, like mm -hmm. a lot. Um, if you're into that kind of thing, you could probably squeeze a lot more time out of it. But it's looking like it's around 10 hours, and but it's only 30 bucks. So it's priced, I think, exactly right for where it should be. Um, there are some rough 
edges in the game. Not everything is polished, but going back to what I was saying earlier about they focus on the right stuff. Like, they didn't worry about, like, oh, that animation is a little hitchy or, you know, this texture doesn't look razor sharp. They worried about making sure all the systems worked and sort of the level design all flows and creates sort of this feeling of progression. Um, and so there are some rough edges, but for 30 bucks, I don't know. It, for an indie game, it looks pretty damn good. You saw the B-roll. Yeah. It, it looks up there with, like, a big-budget game. And I think that shows sort of the pedigree of the people who are working on it, that they aren't people who are just working out of their basement. They're people who came from big studios who are like, I just want to do my own thing instead of working for a corporation. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much it. Um, I've, again, I've played three and a half, four hours of it. I have really, really enjoyed it. Um, if you are a fan of Metroid Prime, go buy this game right now. Seriously. Like, it's $30. It's I'm guessing you could probably squeeze out 15 out of it if you really kind of look for everything. Uh, but for 30 bucks, you, there's no other game that goes this close to Metroid Prime. There just isn't, like, that I have ever played anyway. Maybe there's some indie game out there that I'm not aware of. But this is the closest facsimile to Metroid Prime since Metroid Prime 3. You can even kind of see it in the creature designs a little bit. A little bit. Um, but uh, pleasantly surprised by this game. Like, I honestly just kind of reached out to PR for this game on a whim. Like, I kind of looked ahead. I was like, there's really not much coming out for the next couple of weeks. And I was like, oh, this game looks kind of cool. I sent them an email. They're like, yep, here you go. And I started playing it. And I was like, damn, okay. Like, I am really glad that I played this game. So if you're like us and you don't care about Dragon Ball and you're like, what the hell am I supposed to play? I need to play a freaking video game. Go buy this one. I think, again, knowing... If you did like Metroid Prime, stay away. If you like Metroid Prime, go buy this immediately. Um, mm-hmm. Again, $30. What if, what if you like the I mean, obviously I do. What if you like the idea of, like, No Man's Sky but wanted it to be a little more handcrafted? So when I first started playing this, I really thought it was – I thought No Man's Sky was going to be the most direct comparison. Mm-hmm. And the more I played it, the less I felt that way. Um, it is way more action-y, shooter-y. Even though a lot of the combat is optional. Um, and I can see why you think it looks almost exactly like No Man's Sky. Like the art style mm-hmm. and all that stuff I can see. And again, I thought at first that's what it was going to be. It turned out to be a lot different than that. And it's a lot more uh, story driven. Mm. A lot more narrative in this than there is. Even though while you're out in the field, the story never moves forward. It's after you complete a mission and then you go back to the ship and kind of deposit all the stuff that you've collected that's when the story tends to move forward. That's when they'll fire off, like, FMV sequences of the company president being like, bro, what are you doing? You aren't doing what you're supposed to be doing. Um, And that's kind of where it moves forward. But when you're out in the field, there aren't really many story beats. And that's kind of typical of indie games. Um, That's where you can kind of cut corners uh, on an indie game where it'll still look like a big-budget game, but to the trained eye, you can kind of pick out the things that they didn't include that a lot of other big-budget games did. Um, and so cinematics are kind of what didn't make the cut for this one. But it's really good. Um, it, definitely there's going to be a sequel. I, I hope it does well enough to get a sequel because – and I, I don't want to, like, give it a backhanded co- compliment and be like, oh, what's here is auspicious and it shows promise because what's here is good already. It's it's just not amazing. It's not like game of the year material yet, but mm-hmm. if they stick with this world and what they've kind of constructed here as a keystone, as a foundation – it is an IP that could absolutely get there. So we're in the doldrums of the early part of the year, of the wintertime. Uh, this is easily the best game I've played 
this is way better than Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, in my opinion. Um, and if so, if you have to choose between those games, unless you're a big DBZ fan, buy this without uh, hesitation. But Matt, for you specifically, I would say that this, I can see where you would look at this and be like, oh my gosh, like this is like No Man's Sky 2. It's not. Like you don't have like the the travel through space. You're not going from right, planet. I think it's one, it's one planet. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's Journey to the Savage Planet instead of Planets. Uh, maybe that's the sequel though. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I think you will love it, honestly. It's right in your wheelhouse. And I love Metroid Prime, and it's right in my wheelhouse. And this is one game that I played to talk about on the show that I will absolutely go and finish. It helps that I think it's not a, an incredibly long game. But I'm also just completely sold on the game, and I'm really enjoying it. So there you go. Journey to the Savage Planet. $30. I know it's available for PC, PS4, Xbox One. I don't know if the Switch version is coming out today. Uh, maybe somebody in chat could clear that up. Um, but chances are it's probably not. Usually Switch stuff kind of comes in a little later. Uh, but it's also not the type of game where it, they'd have problems getting it to run on Switch. So maybe maybe it is day and date. But regardless, I know it's on the other three. Uh, and if you have a PC or either of the two consoles, I highly recommend picking it up. Any questions before we move on? No, I think that covers it. Okay. It's time for our trailer of the week. Um, I know I went on a bunch of tirades about Ubisoft today um, because I feel like they're putting weird things in their games that don't fit. Um, so I wanted to reward Ubisoft with our trailer of the week for a case where I believe it's doing what it should be doing, and that's with The Division 2. The Division 2, you say? It's been out for a long time. It has. Uh, the third DLC pack is about to launch. It looks like a beast. It's free, and it's coming in February. Let's roll it. Ever since the virus hit, we've been hunting for a cure. We believe the scientist who can help us is being held on Coney Island. And by the looks of it, the Black Tusk have him heavily guarded. There's no time for caution, Agent. Get him out of there. Interesting going back to the Division Two. I never was at the Division. Oh right, two, you never even so played it. I can't wait till you find out that they find an alien queen in the uh, <laughs> bottom of that stadium. I would be pretty pissed off if that were the case. Because the reason <laughs> I ran that trailer is like to me, that's the kind of DLC that should come out for a game like that. But maybe you're right. Maybe they have some crazy hidden thing in there. Uh, but again, that is coming February. They didn't announce an exact date, but it's going to be free, free mm -hmm. DLC, and it looks like it's gigantic. So definitely worth checking out. 
Uh, I probably should have mentioned this beforehand, but if you're not a regular on our stream, when we run the trailer of the week, that's your cue to get questions in the chat. As always, go at Sifted Games so it's easier for us to uh, go and find your questions. Um, SJD Swan was asking me what I played a Journey to the Savage Planet on. That was PS4. I played it on uh, PS4 Pro, actually. Um, let's see. Vincent, uh, the studio was bought by Google. What does hmm. that mean? The studio that made Journey, Journey to the, the Savage, Savage Planet. Planet. Oh, so that stuff's going to be all Stadia exclusives now. Well, we'll see how long Stadia Yeah, we'll see how around. that lasts. That's disappointing to hear, man. Oh, that really sucks. Because they're, they're talented, man. They're going to be a big studio. Mm-hmm. You mark my words. Uh, that game has shows a lot of promise. But thanks for the heads up, Vincent. Uh, Eth Demon, what do you think of how well Temtem, an MMO inspired by Pokemon that has launched in early access, has blown up on Steam? Eth Demon, I don't know how much time you spend on the sifted.net, but from the first time I saw Temtem, go back and look at the stuff we've curated for Temtem. The first time I ever saw it, I in the blurb, it's like, oh, this is going to be big. This is the Pokemon MMO that Nintendo won't give us. Mm-hmm. And over the course of the last three weeks, it's just become, like, gigantic. Now there are tens of thousands of people waiting in queue to get in the servers. Um, It's become huge. Uh, So I'm not surprised at all. It's honestly, like, that's what Pokemon Sword and Shield should have been. Instead of this half-ass, like, go into this wild area where you, like, no. Like, that's what Pokemon, eventually it's what it's going to become. Nintendo's just dragging its feet right now because Nintendo it probably... Nintendo's weirdly conservative yeah. a lot of things. And I think wh- why it's doing that is because it did the math. It's like, well, we sell, like, in these standalone Pokemon, we sell, like, 20 million copies when it's all said and done. Uh, so if we sell the MMO, we sell it once, and then we're supposed to make it all up with, like, hats and skirts? And I think Nintendo still, despite the strides it's made, still hasn't got to the place where it gets that. Like, I just mm-hmm. don't think Nintendo trusts that model yet. And I think you could look at some of the, the, the performances of some of its mobile stuff, and I think maybe that scares Nintendo a little bit, because its mobile games, some of them have done great, but mm-hmm. some of them have not. Um, and I think, even though it may be foolish, I think Nintendo maybe looks at that, at that stuff and incorrectly extrapolates that out onto the console space or the PC space or just its, its paid uh, product space. And I think it makes it nervous to make big changes. It, look, it's going to happen eventually. Nintendo might as well start building it now. Or you can let Temtem take your audience away. Like, what are you going to do? So I think they're going to let Temtem take their audience away. I think away. you may be right. And he, I don't see, think they can get it together in time. I mean, here's the thing. There's What is it about Pokemon that makes it popular? Um, inertia? Um, I mean, no, it, it is. a lot of that. It's and because you, you've you said in your mind it's everything. supposed to be successful. Yeah. But it's a very easy game people, to make. And for some people, it's literally something they've been playing their whole lives. Right. But it it's a very easy game to make. Like, mm-hmm. a lot, most studios could make Pokemon. And probably make it a lot better, let's be honest, than what Game Freak is doing right now. So, if you don't do it, someone else is going to do it. And they're probably going to do it really well. And it's that's the that no one's done it till now. Right. It is surprising. Right. It is. And that's what Temtem is. It's, a, it's an online, massively multiplayer Pokemon clone that is probably better than Sword and Shield. Mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised at all that it's doing well. As soon as I saw it, I was like, why haven't we had something like this before? And why is Nintendo getting its launch eaten by some indie developer? 
But check it out, guys. It's uh, it's going to be a thing. Uh, Commander Fett 03, do you think we'll see another genre become really popular like Dark Souls was this generation? Will there be a new Souls-like movement with the PS5 and Xbox Series X? Good one. Um, probably. These things go in cycles, but I have no idea what it'll be. Yeah. Like the next big thing. If we knew it, we'd make it. Right. <laughs> we say it all the time. You always think we're Nostradamus and we can just predict the future. And you can't predict, you know, who could have predicted Battle Royale? Right. Who could have predicted Souls? Who could have predicted any of that? But to answer his question, will there be something? I believe so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, something will come, but if we knew it, we would make it. Who knows what it is? Who knows what it is? Yeah. But, yeah, I do think... A lot of times, even the people making it don't know it until it happens. Until it happens. And sometimes it happens on accident. Yep. Like, you know, maybe Battle Royale was like they were working on, like, a multiplayer, a generic multiplayer game. And somebody, one of the programmers, was like, let's just throw 50 yeah. people in there. And well, look at Rocket League. Rocket and then they started playing, and they're like, wait, this is kind of fun. Well, look at Rocket League. Rocket League was supposed to be like a demolition derby thing, and someone was like, just threw a ball in there during testing. It was like, hey, this is kind of fun. Uh-huh. Like, that's how it happens. That's how it happens, yep. And there's no way to predict what it's going to be, but yeah, absolutely. There's going to be something like that mm-hmm. uh, for the next generation of consoles. I fully believe that. Um, Justin Horman. Mr. Kyle kind of suggested something along the lines with Control and Journey to Savage Planet. Seems to be a pleasant surprise, but has any other game ever come out that you weren't following surprised you when it launched because you didn't know when it was released but ended up loving it? I mean, Control is a good example. It doesn't that doesn't happen much. Diddy uh, Kong Racing. Just kind of out of out of necessity. Um, I would say I would say like one of the er examples, one of the classic examples for me would be Winback. Yeah. Um, which I had no real. Wasn't paying attention to, but I think I bought it when it came out because there was nothing else out that month or that week or whatever. And uh, brought it home, and I was just like, what the hell? I remember taking that to some of my friends, and I was like, play this fucking game. Yeah. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> it was really good. It was the second attempt at a cover-based shooter. St- yeah, like, it was like right at, it was after Kill, Kill Switch, yep. but I think it did it better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, it had multiplayer mode, yeah. too. Yeah, we played a lot Which was all. It was like your first time you're going to play Gears, basically. Yeah, pretty much. It was all stop and pop. It was kind of absurd, honestly, because the movement in that game wasn't great. No. So you generally just stayed behind a box com- and just popped up and down and shot. But there was nothing to compare it to. No, not so. at all. What was that... Um, that turn-based RPG for the N64. Hybrid Heaven. Hybrid Heaven. That's another one. <laughs> yeah. That slipped under the through the cracks. I like that. Yeah, I knew what you're talking about immediately. Like a weird shit that looks kind of like Winback and no one played, but like and it's Konami like, it's a, put it's out. It's a turn-based like, yeah. RPG that's basically wrestling. Yeah, it's like, like wrestling In Melee, Fist of Cups. Yeah. yeah. I, I wonder if that game's worth money now. Some probably. Yeah. The only, the only downside of that game is that you could only save with the, uh, expand, the pack. Yeah. The save pack. Yep. Um, why do I know that? Why do I remember that 25 years later? Uh, what was the other thing I was thinking of? Um, um, like, I mean, I knew of it because it was supposed to be a launch game, but Body Harvest was like yeah. that. That came out of nowhere. I think the classic case, though, was Diddy Kong Racing. Unannounced, mm-hmm. nobody knew it existed, and literally just appeared in stores yeah. right before Christmas and then went on to sell, like, 6 million copies. It's kind of the poster child for stuff like yeah, this. Yeah, because, like, after, after that era, there really isn't much that I don't pay attention to. It's very that. hard to, like, stealth anything yeah. in I mean, Red Strings Club was, yeah. like, a nice I didn't know about discovery. That. You st- you st- it is pretty games. crazy how I am literally eyeballs deep in video games all day, yeah. every day, and I never heard of that game. It, I yeah. never, it never came through 
any of the feeds during curation. Like, it wasn't just us. Nobody mm-hmm. talked about it or knew about it. It's really crazy. And Rebel Galaxy. Rebel Galaxy yeah. was out of nowhere. It was. I was like, what the hell is it? You know, I try to follow a lot of the space stuff, uh, but I didn't know about that until it pretty much, like, the day before it came out. Yep. And, uh, yeah, it's only, it only two times I've ever stumped the Sifted database. And there it is. Um, from Sneaky Shalid Snake. With Stadia going to its fourth month and not revealing a single game since last month, do you think it's already dead? Uh, they're all dead. <laughs> they just don't know it they yet. They just don't know it yet. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think it's going to hang on for a little while longer, yeah. but I think... I think it'll last at least two years. Yeah, I think, but I think further and further, your prediction that it's all going to be free and they're just going to want you to try it is going to come true. So where are they going to get people to, to tap into the service? Yeah, I mean, today on Reddit, they were just like, you know, we don't know when the subscription service is going to be low. We're going to be able to play it without a, you know, without a dedicated controller you buy from us and all that. I'm like, how do you launch this thing and not know that? Because they felt like they had to get it out for before the holidays. Yeah. That's You know who that is? That's Phil Harrison. Yeah. That's him looking at the old console model and being like, yeah. if we're not out before Christmas, and, it's all over. And in the thread on Reset Era about, about this, one of the greatest posts ever made on that forum, someone just posted... Phil Harrison now wanted for triple murder. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yep. Uh, every once in a while, I wish that forum had a like button. <laughs> <laughs> just... <laughs> every, only every once in a while, though. Uh, oh, here's a continuation. Also, or have you had a chance to try out that elite controller that the sifters got you, Mr. Satterfield? Yes. Yes. I, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but yes. More on that later. Okay. It's coming as part of something else mm. that I don't want to spoil. Anyway, I know I'm being cagey, but there's reasons I'm being cagey right now. Um, SJD Swanland just watched a horror film, A Dark Song, the other night. Any of you seen it? I have not. Nope. I did see a color. I see color out of space with Nicolas Cage, though. I just can't wait to that watch Parasite. Crazy. I've been waiting for Parasite to show up where I can rent it for like weeks and weeks. Is that on Amazon now? Yeah. No, you have to pay fifteen dollars. Uh, yeah, but on the twenty eighth today, I mean, it comes I mean, out today. I mean, I paid seventeen dollars to see it in a theater, so it's not yeah, that bad. yeah. It, it comes out today, just in time, I think, for it's rental. Uh, yeah, yeah, as a rental today, and I'm going to watch it tonight if I have time. I'm really excited to watch that film. Uh, Congrim won with the slower start to 2020's big releases. Are you telling me, dude? Did you see this rundown today? Did you see this show that we just did? I worked hard for this show. <laughs> Let me tell you, I worked real hard. Uh, with the slower start, what other games are you currently playing or finishing up? Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. A Journey to the Savage Planet. That, you should, guys should play it. It's 30 bucks. It's cheap. It's good. Uh, yeah. I've played nothing this year. I've played an hour of Red Strings Club, and that's pretty much it. I ha- Honestly, it, this is kind of perfect for me. You guys don't know, but there's all kinds of stuff going on behind the scenes right now for Sifted. This has actually come at a pretty good time. Mm-hmm. I'm always looking for games to play. There just aren't any. Um, but I have so much other stuff that I'm working on right now. This has been a blessing in disguise. I know it doesn't make episodes of Game Face great, and it doesn't make you want to go to Sifted every day like maybe you, you normally would because you're like, there's nothing happening. Um, but it's good for us in the long run. I mean, there's been mm-hmm. enough content for us to do the show. We had to be a little crafty to do it. Um, so we've gotten through the month with Game Face, but uh, in, the games will start rolling out next month. But it's good. Like, I had a bunch of other stuff I had to do. I'm yeah. still doing right now. So And I'm producing two short films. Yeah. that shoot in two and a half weeks, so, like, I don't have time for yeah. anything right The timing now. has kind of worked out, actually, for us. Um, Super Cordell Blue, what do you guys think of the Poly Mega Console? 
I'm not familiar with that. Um, if I remember right, the Polymega is like a thing where you can basically like plug in different modules on it, and it. Oh, and my it, idea. And it makes a but, modular no, console. No, it makes it um, retro, different retro consoles. So oh. Terms of TurboGrafx okay. 16, Genesis, Super Nintendo, and Nintendo, like that kind of thing. Interesting. Um, that very, sounds really cool. It's very expensive. How uh, much? If you buy it with like all the modules together, I think it's like 650. Oh. Um, but how it many is, different platforms can it be? You know? Any. Like all of them. Yeah, because you, to... you can just unplug and put a new module in. Right, but up to where? Oh, like, like PS2? I don't know. Uh, um, I think at least PS1. Yeah, I don't know. that sounds probably right where I'll stop. But uh, it's all you know, native, all hardware done. Like you, you, you literally stick the, you know, you can do ROMs, I think, but you can also just stick the, co- the cartridge in, which I think That's is sweet. important. Yeah. Um, they have controllers for every for every different system wow. uh, but like it's it's very it's like it's that modular thing da, da, da. and like i have looked at it several times but like i'm not throwing three, 650 bucks or something until i see some reviews look i also have all the consoles that so too. and it is a pain in the ass like again we're working on some new stuff for sifted and so i've been kind of looking through like a lot of my closets and stuff and it is a pain in the ass to get those out Especially for me, because I live in an apartment, but I'm, like, old, so mm. I've accumulated a lot of crap through my life, and, like, every closet, every nook and cranny in our apartment is just jammed, because mm-hmm. we, we're at the age where we should own a home by now with, like, an attic and a garage and all that crap, and we don't, so uh, my closets are just jammed, like, literally like Jenga. Like, I actually had to restack one of them this last weekend because stuff was, like, falling down, and it wouldn't stop mm. falling down, so... It is a pain to get those old consoles out sometimes, but when you're talking about 600 bucks, I think I'll do a little unstacking. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my, my main question is, like, if it is, I mean, it's doing hardware, it's doing HDMI, so I'm like, what does it look like natively on, like, a 4K screen? If, you know, if you can give me something good on that, I might look into it, at least, at least like, something like tur- the TurboGrafx module, because I don't really have anything that does TurboGrafx, at least until that Mini comes out. Um, but I have a lot of TurboGrafx games uh, that are not going to be on that mini that I would like to play again natively. That would be cool. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, thinking of, I'm thinking about it. I got my it eye on it. It would be cool it. if you could buy it modularly. So you, you can. Buy, you, know, you can. So you don't have to spend the You don't have, have to spend 650 bucks. You can just buy the base in one module. Oh, and it's, okay. more, it's more like 300 or something. Ooh, that's still a lot. Or something. I don't remember exactly. Exact. It's, it's pricey because it's, it's a boutique kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, you, you can buy all, those, all the modules separately as you okay. go if you want them. Got you. Um, did the zombies from Wampler 13, did the zombies in Call of Duty games bother you as much as the Terminator stuff? Yes, they absolutely did. Uh, you can go back and watch any episode of Game Face where we talked about the latest Call of Duty, and I will tell, and I will say in those episodes, I do not care about zombies. I never have. Uh, yes, they made no sense to me whatsoever. I totally get that a lot of people like it, and for some people, that's the only reason that they buy or play Call of Duty. I hated it, and I've always hated it. I hated that it was the only solo option, really, in the last Black Ops because it cut out the campaign. I was not a fan of that. Yeah, I'm, I, and exactly for the same reason. It doesn't make any freaking sense. Hmm. Um, Lesteva, did you hear about February 5th for the PS5 reveal? We did. We talked about that last week. Mm-hmm. I mentioned that that's also my birthday and how awesome it would be if they unveiled the PlayStation 5 on my birthday. Um, Sound Wizard gifted 10 subs. Thank you, Sound Wizard, man. That's freaking awesome, man. I missed pretty much all the Twitch Prime stuff today. Um, speaking of Twitch Prime, oh, my God, we had, like, the worst month of Twitch Prime ever. Hmm. And that's saying a lot because the first month we did it, we had problems getting people on board because they're like, I don't know how to do it. I need to set it all up. 
uh, the last month of Twitch Prime was worse than the first month of Twitch Prime when people actually had to go and like go through the process of setting it all up and linking their accounts. Like people have just given up on spending five seconds. I don't mm. know what it is. It's very it's tough because we need that money and people have stopped doing it. So if you're listening to this or you're watching it on YouTube, man, we really need the help with Twitch Prime. We'd really appreciate it. Um, thanks, Sound Wizard, though, for those subs, man. That's great. Uh, another one from Wampler. Did either of you reserve your Founders Edition Amico? No. The Intellivision no. remake, me either. Um, I know Tommy, so I'm going to try to hit him up for a freebie. Uh, I probably won't hit him up for a freebie, but I just don't have real, any real in- attachment to Intellivision. Did and you see they're starting to remake yeah. like Astro Smash and, Dark, and Darkstalker? Yeah. Or Nightstalker, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I mean, I just... Here's the thing. I don't think any games from that era hold up from the home consoles. A lot of them like, don't. I don't. Yeah. yeah, I like the arcade games from the time still. But Astro like, Smash does. Because it's I mean, just, asteroids just asteroids mixed with Space Invaders. Yeah, I just don't. I don't know. Like, if, if it comes out and everyone's, like, raving about how it finally it's, a, like, an ancient, you know, like, four-bit retro console done right, whatever, like, I'll think about it. But, like, I don't see anything there for me right now. I got enough stuff hooked up already. Best of luck to him, but it's not. I don't think it's for me. Here's someone. Here's one from someone I don't think has ever asked a question before, so I want to answer it. It's from Minority Games. Are you sick of Metroidvania games? Which ones were the worst to you? Uh, I am not. Thanks for checking us out, by the way. I'm not sick of Metroidvania games because I love Metroidvania stuff. Uh, but if you want to talk about one that I really bounced off of, I didn't like Sundered as much as I hoped I would. I can't think of any. Like, sometimes I think I'm not going to like one, and then I start playing it, and I end up getting sucked into I mean, I see, it. Like, I, I am a sucker for that design. Yeah, I still like Sundered. I just felt Sundered was, like, the one that I had the hardest time continuing to play. Yeah. It's because it, for something, I think because of the procedural design. I think because it was procedural, and I just felt like I wasn't being led anywhere. Because to me, one of the things that makes Metroidvanias amazing is how those the level design sort of guides you through it. And once you make it procedural, that goes away, and that's kind of not very fun for me. Okay, here's the last one, and I just want—I'm just gonna answer it because I want Matt to be able to answer it and talk about what he's been working on. Matt, can you talk about the short films you're making? Have you made a short film before? If so, where can we watch it? That's from Lynn Jeff ninety nine. I cannot uh, talk about them much. Uh, I have not made a short film before, at least in context of like producing the whole thing and doing it myself. I've, I've obviously like some of the episodes of X Play I directed were those were short, short films. films, yeah. Um, but I've never had to do it. You know, now I got to deal with the business side of everything, and like, you know, I'm <laughs> Matt is starting to get a taste yeah. of what I've been dealing with for the last six. Years. No one realizes. Yeah, except, like... except I got fifty-three people on payroll. So fifty-three crews, film crews are uh, big. Yeah, yeah. Holy they're crap. only working for me for a week, but they're <laughs> they're, they're there. there. <laughs> um, permits and crazy. You know, I, 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 as soon as we're done with this, I got to fill out some more permits for the city of Pomona Fire Department. You know, it's just how yeah. it works. Um, and as to where everyone's got to make their cut. As to where you want, where you can watch it, um, I don't know yet. I mean, you're probably gonna have to go to a few film festivals, frankly. Yeah. Because that's where I intend to drag them out and and try to get. Basically, the idea is like show them at film festivals, meet some people, get some interest, and maybe the next movie I make, I won't have to pay for myself. Yep. All right. So there you go. That's what Matt's been working on behind the scenes. Uh, if you make all that information available, every all of us, all of Sifters, will get behind you and help you promote mm-hmm. it in any way you want. So. We'll be there for you, brother. Yeah, probably l- later in the year, we'll probably start dragging it around to film festivals and stuff. Awesome. So, so there you go. That's Game Face 197, another episode in the books. 
Uh, thanks to everybody who is on the live stream today. Thanks to everyone who asked questions. Thanks to everybody who subscribed via Twitch Prime earlier on. I did see some of those scrolling by. Uh, thanks to Sound Wizard who gifted subs. All this stuff, we appreciate it so much. You guys are amazing. Um, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, you can check us out at patreon.com slash sifted. You can give us as much or as little a month as you would like. Um, and for those of you who would prefer to maybe listen to this show, uh, if you're a subscriber or a patron, you have your own private uh, podcast feeds for both this and Pactor mm-hmm. Factor. And with Sifted 2.0, there is another third feed coming that I'm not going to spoil yet. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, if you're a subscriber, you have your own private feeds for that stuff. But if you're not a subscriber or a patron, you can find us on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. So that's it on behalf of Matt. I'm Shane Satterfield. Game Face is up and out.